Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Entertainment Evolve, but this is this is from the multiverse. No, uh, we are actually here today in the superhero homie studio. Uh, mine is a little a little bit in a state of disrepair right now. Uh, a little bit of reorganization and whatnot going on over there. So uh, I was like, "Hey, man, since you got the 4K Blu-rays, or, no, they're actually just regular Blu-rays. Um, it was shot on hand cams, folks. I was like, since you already got my the the Shield Blu-ray set over there, you know, let's just you know, and you have a studio, and and also this studio is beautiful." Got to get more of it on camera whenever we can. This is this is the smallest shelf behind me here. Um, if you go watch our indie review, uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, there's uh, actually uh, multiple camera angles on that. You get a little bit better view of it. But uh, if you are watching here, I'm going to go ahead and right here at the beginning, I'm going to say that you know if if you haven't seen the first episode of this, we're actually reviewing part two of the Shield today. If you haven't seen part one, go watch it because we're going to try not to retread a bunch of ground from that. This is such a massive series. We reviewed seasons one, two, three, and four a couple weeks ago. Uh, and today we're going to be doing seasons five, six, and seven. I have here with me the homie Ace. Welcome back to the show. Man, thank you for having me on. I have been, you kept me waiting here, you know, for a while to do this review because we had it set up so that uh, as soon as we got to the last episode, we were all going to watch it together and then review. So I had to sit on that last episode for like what is it, a week two, and a half. Yeah, like a week and a half, two weeks. See, I would feel bad for you, except I had to wait for every single episode of this show <laughs> when it originally came out. Uh, it was that Game of Thrones wait for me. Oh. So, yeah, uh, I, I would feel bad for you. But before we get into it, man, uh, I got I got two things. Uh, the first, I got a little bit of show and tell. Yes. Uh, so what I have here, uh, I can't bring down an item from my shelves because they're not here. So what I have here is this is a brand new, um, I'll get some close-up shots of this. This is a brand new Dragon Steel packaging. And this is uh, secret project number three from Brandon Sanderson. Uh, this is one of the four novels that he actually set the Kickstarter record uh, for all time, uh, this is, like I said, this is number three. This is an official Cosmere novel. It is still in the plastic. I have not opened it yet. So I really can't tell you anything about it. Uh, but it is Yumi and the Nightmare Painter. And it is a beautiful, beautiful cover. Um, they've done such a good job with these. And if I had to, if I had to guess, um, there is probably a, a good bit of art in this book. A lot more than you would find. In a typical novel, if you, you look at the pages there, you can tell oh, quite yeah. a bit of them are illustrated. And I know the last one that they came out with, you know what? I'm just Oh, gonna, are we doing this? I'm going to crack it open okay. right here. Here we go. I'll, you can open that. I'm yeah. going to hurt myself. There we go. All right. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this right here. I'm going to not do any damage to the book or, me, or myself. Right. <laughs> Rule one is don't hurt you. And... Uh, that is a, a gorgeous book. You showed me that earlier. And, yeah, it's uh, just a gorgeous-looking book. Taking the plastic off right here. And, yeah, so there's there's quite a bit of illustrations in here. Oh, man. Uh, full color on a lot of the pages. I really like these chapter numbers. I'll get, oh, yeah. get some close-ups of this in the final. But, yeah, I mean, they uh, I knew that they were going to do quite a bit of uh, this because on all of these secret projects 
Look at that art. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, all of these, um, the artist on this, uh, I'm not going to do her disservice. I'm gonna look, I am gonna. I looked her up earlier. She actually does a lot of work on League of Legends, and she's uh, uh, Aaliyah Chen. She's mm. actually done some work um, for Pixar as oh, well. Shit. Yeah, so she's a very uh, renowned artist for the, like, this type of art style. And everything that I've seen that was from this book, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anything about it. But th- I, I bet I could get Dylan into this for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, just the, the vibe of that, for yeah. sure. And I now mean, you said that this is is within the realms of the Cosmere? This is not a this is Cosmere canon. Um, so, uh, out of the four secret projects, um, the first one, uh, Trust of the Emerald Sea, is Cosmere. Uh, the second one, which is uh, Frugal Wizard's Guide to Medieval London, Medieval England, one of those two things, hmm. um, is non-Cosmere, uh, and I have not read it yet. I have it, but with it not being Cosmere canon, mm-hmm. it doesn't get to skip to the front. I will start reading this tonight. Yeah. Um, I've been waiting on it uh, anxiously. And then the, the fourth one is the one that I'm really, really waiting on because it features some characters and some stories that are very, very familiar. Um, there's going to be uh, some really cool, like, I think, tidbits in that one. I can't wait to crack this one open um, because there's uh, something in the Cosmere I haven't read. And, you know, that bothers me endlessly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that you waited this long, actually. Like, even <laughs> though, you know, you just officially got your hands on it, like, a few hours ago. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and the thing is, I got the PDFs on July 1st, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, at midnight. I think we actually were here doing a podcast. Yeah. Because I was like, the new one that. comes out tonight. But I'm like you, man. I mm-hmm. need that physical thing in my you hand. You got to have the physical copy in your hand. Yeah. I'll never forget when I got, I think, uh, Avengers versus X-Men. This was, I guess, 10 years ago. The deluxe edition had came out. And uh, I had gotten that. And uh, it came with a um, like a QR code for the, uh, like the, the digital comic. And I just gave that away immediately. Like, I don't need this. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Because... I don't know. I, I, I really wish that my brain appreciated it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and my brain and my wallet wishes that I appreciated right. it. And and your space. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, that too. And, and the thing about that, so the only thing I can enjoy, like, like a novel on that's digital is a Kindle Paperwhite. Mm. And they don't have color. And I feel like you're going to lose a lot of the presentation right. of these books. Um, and... You know, Dragonsteel has done a lot to really make these premium, premium editions of these books. You're not going to find very many novels right. that look like that. And I think that that's really important, and I think you're going to lose a lot of it if you go straight black and white with it. So it's a lose-lose for me. I need the you physical know, book. That's it. I mean, clearly there's a lot of people that feel the same way. That was one of the books that helped break the Kickstarter record. Yeah, set yeah. the Kickstarter record for all time, and it wasn't even close. Blew it out of the water. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, before we get on to the main thing tonight, this is something we were just talking about off mic, man, and this is more into your realm than mine, so that's why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, It came out over the last couple days that IMAX is committed to the Dune 2 release later this year, and it is unlikely. Now, they haven't officially come out and said, you're not going to see the Marvels in IMAX, but... It's very likely that premium formats are going to be locked up with Dune for six weeks. Okay, see, yeah, you just told me about this, and I'm going to be completely honest and objective here. I give Captain Marvel 1 a lot of shit 
believe it or not, yeah, I give the movie a lot of shit. Do I even, you? Yeah, I even shot on it last night when I, you know, covered <laughs> Secret Invasion. So somehow it came up. But, you know, with everything I say about the movie, one thing I can never deny were the gorgeous visuals. And the IMAX format would really only help those visuals look even better. Uh, and also, as much shit as I give, you know, the upcoming Marvel's movie, again, haven't seen it yet, Hope is good, but I know where my expectations are at. I thought that with the limited amount of marketing they've done with the movie, I've been impressed. They got Iman Valani front and center doing the promotion work, and I'm like, that's that's who you want to promote this movie. Uh, She's enthusiastic. She's charismatic. She's likable. She's everything that Brie Larson isn't. Right. And she's a nerd. (laughs) And she's a nerd, yeah. Yeah. She's like us, Mm -hmm. you know, and... uh, I I think I'm going to enjoy it way more than the first one. The problem is, I think it'll be lucky to make its money back. And it's insane that we're talking about a major right. MCU release in those terms. I mean, you know, at the beginning of Phase 4, we we talked about, like, the writing on the was on the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, people are fickle. Yeah. And... It's not the people. It, it's not you and I that are mm-hmm. that they're losing. They're losing the casuals. Yeah, you know, and so it's kind of uh, it's kind of biting them from both ends because those IMAX numbers were really a, a big help to the oh, to yeah. the box office. Um, one of the things about um, about the huge box office success of Barbie is Oppenheimer has all of IMAX locked down. Oh, yeah. It's making those numbers with regular tickets. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's not a single IMAX sale in there. Um, and uh, by the way, it did beat the Dark Knight's Monday record for Warner Brothers. Yeah, I, I saw that. I chose to ignore it, but I did see that. <laughs> well, adjusted for inflation, Dark but, Knight would have been about $32 million, So, it, But that's still hella impressive. The fact that it did it with no IMAX. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, no premium seating, really. Um, I, I think a lot of that comes out to the, you know, we talked a lot about the Barbenheimer phenomenon yeah. that has taken over. It's still going. Oh, yeah. There's merch everywhere for it now. Who's making money off of that merch, I wonder? Uh, I, I've seen a lot of, like, just various clothing websites and stuff doing it. I know it can't be licensed. Yeah. So, uh, I actually saw the uh, today a pair of pink socks. And it had the explosion in the background, and mm-hmm. it says, I was there. And then uh, Killian Murphy <laughs> and uh, Margaret Robbie are sitting in the car. God, that, that's that's phenomenal. <laughs> I, I've seen people um, uh, like uh, lobby for uh, Killian uh, to be in uh, the Barbie sequel whenever it inevitably comes out. They asked him about it, and he said he's up for it. <laughs> so... That's great. You know, something I didn't know about him, I don't want to turn this into Oppenheimer Part 2 review, mm. uh, because we certainly probably could go into 30 minutes about that movie, if not oh, more. Yeah. Um, I didn't know this, but, like, Killian Murphy doesn't spend any time on the internet. Oh. Like, they were asking him about, like, the um, one of the memes of him or whatever, and he mm-hmm. was like, what's a meme? And he was being completely serious. What? Yeah, he, like, isn't on social media or anything at all. Wow. Yeah. Where is he from again? <laughs> Uh, Ireland, I think he's got a what sounds like an Irish accent, and he has a what sounds like an Irish name. That's true. Yeah, I, yeah, that's wow. So he didn't even know what a meme was. He was just like, I, yeah, he was like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, he's got, definitely got a Nokia. 
Yeah, he got he got a, he got an old Nokia <laughs> yeah. flip phone. He's had it for twenty seven years now. Yeah, yeah that 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 shouldn't surprise me, even though it kind of does. That uh, those super eclectic creative types are kind of, uh, you know, withheld at times. So, and you know, one of the things that uh, we were talking about today also is uh, I was really trying to decide like what I wanted to do this season on the show. Yes, and uh, there's nothing really new coming out. I guess I will eventually have to talk about the fucking Witcher, but uh, yeah, I don't want to right now. So <laughs> uh, I have decided that uh, other than the Dark Knight trilogy, which you and I already went through in mm-hmm. this very room, so I'm not going to retread that ground. Uh, I am going to cover every single Christopher Nolan theatrical release in you, order. You told me that, and I was like, that is... An extremely lofty objective, and what whatever episodes you want me on, I am completely down for this. Well, you're probably the only person who will watch Dunkirk with me, because you were <laughs> the only person, person who has who wanted it. to watch it to begin with. That's the only time I've ever watched that movie. So, <laughs> I might like it the second time around. You know, we'll watch it at my house. Yeah. on the sound, and yeah, yeah. and if nothing else, that'll be epic, right? You know, yeah, but uh. Yeah, I mean, that and, uh, you know, I, I definitely um, want to cover that. Um, Memento, I, I think if I, I'm going to, I think I want to find someone who hasn't seen Memento. Yeah. And do what we're doing here tonight, kind of, and like have them watch it for the first time and then review it with me. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, like that one's got a great twist to it. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard to find someone who hasn't seen Inception. Um and if yeah. Brandon hasn't seen Inception and then he watches it, he's going to be comatose for 24 <laughs> hours while he reboots. So, Oh, we should get Brandon to watch Tenet. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even think about Tenet when I said I was going to do this. Shit. Yeah. Damn it, i got to watch Tenet again. you got to watch Tenet again. And then yeah. I have to try to act intelligent when uh-huh. I talk about it afterwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that, that you're, you're spearheading that one because, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I was like, we talked so at length about his catalog, mm-hmm. and you know what? I'm not going to do it in release order. We ranked them in the Oppenheimer review. We did. I'm going to do it in that order. <laughs> I'm going to go through the ranking. That's phenomenal. And do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, you heard it here first, because I just, just now had the idea. Um. I think that's it, man. I think that's all the stuff that I had before we dig into this. Uh, so, spoiler warning for like a 13, 14-year-old show now. Uh, we are talking today about seasons 5, 6, and 7 of The Shield. This man just watched the finale for the very first time mm-hmm. just a few minutes ago. Um, I don't want to talk about that yet. Uh, I want to I wanna rewind us here and come back around to it. And I went, and we're going to talk about season five because I split up the uh, the actors here on our outline. Uh, the ones in the top category, these are ones we already talked about yep. in episode or in, um, the first episode. Um, but now I want to talk about the rest of the cast that either not everybody on this list is new in the last three seasons, but if if we didn't talk about them the first time, I definitely had a reason right. why I wanted to wait and talk about them in the back half. However. Forrest Whitaker as John Cavanaugh. What did you think about this man's performance? 
He was tremendous. I uh, I will be so bold as to say that season five may have been my favorite season, and it's in very large part due to Forrest Whitaker and his performance. He's such a captivating mm-hmm. character. Every time he's on the screen, yeah, he's so intense, and he's layered. Mm-hmm. It would have been very easy for them to come up with this hard-ass IAD cop right. that's, like, flawless. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like, dull, but by the book mm-hmm. to go after these guys. But they didn't. They got, you know, Lieutenant Kavanaugh, who is, you can tell that he's incredible at his job. Oh, yeah. He's probably locked up cops left and right, man. Including he, his his partner, as they mentioned at one point, yeah, his old partner. Yeah, yeah. he would not last in Gotham City one day. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, man, uh, he's so intense and just multifaceted. And then um, you know, we also got to see uh, Gina Torres's ass. Oh yeah, so, that's that's always a plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, uh, uh, Kay and I are actually watching through Suits right now, mm. and she's the main character in that. Love Gina Torres. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it can't be understated how just tremendous John Cavanaugh was in this. Oh, he was he was so good in this because, like you said, he, he had so many layers that you kind of had to peel back a little bit just to understand what made him tick and understand more about who he is as a character. But it was fascinating to see more about him. And it was... Uh, so interesting to see how Vic Mackey doing what Vic Mackey does and, and getting away with it, seeing how it affects different people. And it just, it broke. It yeah. broke him. Yeah. Well, he, he, the, I think the singular mistake he made was he really underestimated who he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Acevedo him, warned him. You know, because to him it was obvious, right? Like this man is, is guilty you know, I I know it. Everyone knows it, but they can't nail him down. Yeah, that's yeah. the like, yeah, he's guilty. Yeah. We we know. I had him like a dozen <laughs> times. Right, you're not gonna get him. Yeah, you know, and um, it, it's unfortunate for everybody that they had Lemansky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because yeah. if they'd had some surefire dirt on Shane like that, mm-hmm. this this show would have ended about season five, episode three. <laughs> yeah. She would have been like, they did it. They did all of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for sure, right? Because what was it? Season one, when uh, Acevedo is, is, yeah, yeah. is grilling Shane, and Shane is, I mean, he did, he didn't crack, but he looked like had things continued. And that was when they were only guilty of a couple things. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they had added, especially Shane, had right. added considerable items to that list oh. by this point. Oh, yeah. One of the things that's interesting, you know, we talked about this on episode one, is like the first four seasons take place over three years, but these last three take place over just a few weeks. Right. Like, again, uh, not to get into anything in the uh, season finale there, but when they said to, to a character, you know, uh, for the last three years, and I'm like, only three? I it, guess so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Um. So we also had uh, David Marciano as Steve Billings, <laughs> Captain Billings, when we start. Yes. And, you know, the kind of prelude to his character was in, in season, season four, four 
when Dutch turns down the job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after Claudette said, they'll, you know, they'll get some yes-man corporate right. jellyfish to keep this place in line. Dutch turns down the job, and they went and found a yes-man jellyfish. Oh, they found the yes-man jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, even prior to that, right, Dutch and Billings, they had gotten to the fist fight at that point, hadn't they? Uh... Because, yeah, they had gotten to the fist fight. Yes, they had. Yep. Uh, because uh, he tries to date Corinne in season four. Yep. And th- and that all happens right around that same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, and, man, Billings. Okay, the way that... Oh, I'm not going to say that exactly. You, you know how uh, the homie Joe feels about Shane. I kind of feel a similar way to Billings. But <laughs> shout out to the homie Joe, by the way. Shout he should Joe. have been here tonight. Yeah, he couldn't be here. I'll have to sprinkle a little bit of love, even though it's going to probably make me vomit uh, <laughs> on Shaman Drill later. Yeah, uh, but man, Billings, he's such a he's he's a, a comedically shitty person, right? You know? Yeah, he's like he's shitty. And and most of his antics, I find to be amusing, uh, because most of his antics don't end up hurting people. But the few times it does is when he starts to feel a little bit shameish to me, and I'm, I'm like, "Fuck this guy," you know. I, I like the um, when the murder happens when he's at the car wash. Yeah. And oh he yeah. Just calls it in because he's like terrified mm-hmm. to do anything. You know. It's it's a perfect indicator of who he is. And it's also, you know, he he looks up so heavily. It's an interesting dynamic because Dutch 100% sees him for who he is. Mm -hmm. Claudette sees him for who he is, but Claudette is like, well, I mean, you know, Claudette's, you know, she has been around the block. She knows that somebody like Billings who's doing just enough to get by, you're never going to get rid of them. So you're going to have to figure out a way to put up with them. We've all worked in jobs where there's that guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing the bare minimum to stay under the radar and be right, and uh, and everybody expects it out of that guy. Oh yeah, you know. And then it's a good gig if you're that person, by the way. Yeah, like, it is. Sh- it's it's shitty to work with you, but yeah. you got a sweet gig. And Dutch is like, "Fuck this guy!" <laughs> right. And it's crazy because like Billings idolizes the strike team. He does. You know, he's right. like these are these cowboy tough guy right. heroes. You know. He's riding Gar- Gardaki's dick for like the oh, whole yeah. fucking time. Well, he, he kind of takes turns riding each of their dicks at you know, yeah at different points. I think Ronnie's his favorite, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, he is a strike team groupie, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's funny because who the strike team thinks Dutch is that is who Billings really actually is. Right, Dutch is not that guy, but the way that they see Dutch. Is the way that Dutch actually sees Billings for who Billings really is, mm-hmm. you know. And then it's like Dutch is like right in the middle. He can see both groups of people for who they really are, right? You know. Yeah, uh, and, and that's really what I love about this show is that like their attention to detail with the characters, you know, especially when you have a show that goes on for you know seven seasons, it's super important that you continue to have characters evolve but stay the same, if that makes sense, right? And uh, we see that with like all of our mainstay characters. And I mean, you know, we were just talking about Billings, even with him, you know, from the first time we see him to the last time we see him, we've seen him 
in his own lane grow for who he is, but he has always been relentlessly Billings. <laughs> yeah. And 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 Dutch has always been such a great judge of character. Yeah. Absolutely. Um uh, we'll we'll definitely get more into Dutch because mm-hmm. uh he's tremendous all the way oh, through. Yeah. I mean, really everybody in that top mm-hmm. category other than maybe Julian. Um yeah. as an actor, tremendous all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um Let's talk about. I'm gonna skip around here. Um, well, actually, you know what? Um, let's talk about because I there's a reason I left them out in the first episode, and, and you probably understand why now. Um, Autumn Tickless is Cassidy Mackey, um, and also uh, Kathy uh, Kaylin Ryan as Corinne Mackey, and we did not talk about them it's in true. the first half because I think they have so much more to do in the second half. Well, Autumn yeah. especially uh, because. Uh, I think she actually plays Cassie literally the whole time, even like when she's a little, little. Yeah, it looks like the same actress. You yeah, know? and that, that is actually Michael Chiklis' daughter. That's his actual kid, yeah. Yeah, but I, I thought that she did a good job, especially for like somebody who's not a trained actress. Right. You know? Yeah, I thought so too, you know, especially like you get the moments where, you know, she doesn't necessarily get along with her dad. Yeah. And, you know, portraying those scenes, you know, especially for someone, for a kid who's not a trained actor. I thought she did really good, you know, and and, and that coming from you because you hate child actors. Oh, I absolutely hate them. Yeah, <laughs> what did I just recently watch that the child actor in it that I, I just hated it? I don't remember what it was, but I hated them. Indiana Jones. It was. I feel like it was after that. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't is remember. there one in Secret Invasion? I was just thinking about that. It might have been something in Secret Invasion, but no, no. there's not one in Oppenheimer. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what it was? It's probably something I read, uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, nine times out of ten, if there's a child actor in in something, I I'm out. I just I don't I don't <laughs> like it. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're so pretentious and they're just so just samey, and I I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that Autumn did a great job in Same. this show. I've never seen her in anything else, so maybe this was just a mm-hmm. kind of one time thing. But um, and then um, Kathy as, as Corinne. Uh, I thought that in the first couple of seasons, she's kind of relegated to, you know, just your typical cop's wife. Yep, concerned, you know, you know over overloaded, you know. Yep, yeah. Yep. But I think in these later seasons, we get to see, probably starting in season four, actually, when the, her and Dutch start kind of mm-hmm. connecting. Uh, we actually see a lot more layers to her as the show goes on. And then ultimately, you know, she's really there to protect her kids. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, we see at the end of the first season when she has that instinct to run mm-hmm. and takes the kids with her. She was absolutely right yeah. there. That was like her first instinct of something isn't right here. Right. And we kind of see the evolution of that and how serious it ends up becoming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is crazy, right? Because I actually never thought about that until you mentioned it. But, yeah, she had that instinct to run. You know, way back at the end of season one, and man, how good are her instincts, you know? Like, <laughs> that was completely a, a very smart thing to do. Um, so we have uh, Alex O'Loughlin as Kevin Hyatt. This dude was on the show, like, it feels like he's barely on the show. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Kevin, is that one of the... Uh... Hyatt is Vic's replacement in season six. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. This poor guy, yeah. Um, 
I was like, do they have, they had to have had something in mind for him and then changed it? I, I don't know. You know, I would love to watch an interview, um, you know, with Sean Ryan about that. And I don't know if there is any footage of him talking about that character, but it's like they brought in Hyatt. And I don't know exactly, like, if there's any subplot on this show that they just, I feel like they fumbled. Mm-hmm. It's him because, like, he doesn't really have his own arc. No. He's just a part of other characters' arcs. Like, yeah. he's part of Tina's arc. He's part of Dutch's arc. He's part of Vic's arc. Or, I guess, the strike team as a whole. Yeah. But he never really has his own identity. And you're definitely never rooting for him. No, you're not, right? Because, and, and here's the thing, right? I thought that the actor, I thought he had, like, I thought he was good, but the issue, like you said, is he just had absolutely nothing to do. Uh, his character was, I mean, he was really just, uh, I mean, he was just a plot device, essentially. Right. He, he was there because it felt like Sean Ryan and, and the crew thought about it, and they were like, well, in this situation, there would be a replacement that would be instilled. Right. There. And so they brought someone in because that's what would most likely have to happen but they didn't have anything for that replacement to really do. That's kind of my thoughts on it as well. So maybe, you know, they made the best out of a situation. He had some good scenes. Yeah. You know, there were some, um, particularly the one where, like, Vic says he's going to cause a distraction. He ends up crashing the car into the building right. or whatever. <laughs> you know? And, and it's just like, one of the things that he was good at was showing, like, yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of get that refresher in season six of, how Vic really has gotten away with so much shit. Oh, yeah. Is because he's so effective. Mm-hmm. You got a decorated guy like Hyatt that comes in, and Vic even tells him, like, day one, like, hey, man, you're not ready for this is the big leagues here. We right. have, this is like one of the worst places to do this in the United States. Right. You know, and sure enough, like, even Claudette is on the, like, well, I need somebody who's at least a little a bit little of Vic. A little bit of Vic, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it did put Kevin in, like, a uh, in a tough spot, you know, because he was trying to serve so many masters, right? So, obviously, he wanted to to listen and follow Claudette. You know, she's the one who ultimately, you know, uh, agreed to have this guy brought in and, and you know, put, uh, put her trust in him. So, he really wanted to make her happy. But at the same time, he knew that Vic had a lot to teach him. And he wanted to, to learn from Vic and, and to kind of... You got the idea he wanted to make Vic happy as well, you know, and and so it, it just became a thing of him trying to serve way too many masters and really not having his own agency. Yeah, and of course you had Acevedo sticking his nose oh, into yeah. it too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm going to butcher this last name. Uh, Paula Garces, I'm going to say is how that's pronounced. Sounds uh, As Tina Hanlon, what did you think about Tina's addition to the show? You know, so ultimately, does she contribute a lot to the show? Not particularly, but I thought it was refreshing to get, you know, a, a new fresh face on the show, you know, another I, rookie. I think one of the core themes of the show, and you really see that in the finale, is like, while, yes, all of this stuff is crazy and it's happening, is like, you still got to get up and, and do the job the next day. Yep. Right? You know, that wheel keeps turning. And even at, at the end, it's just like, you know, all the all the unis are sitting around and, you know, it's like they're having their little celebration. And then Danny comes in to 211 in progress mm-hmm. and they're right back out, you know, to it the next day. Um, one of the last, you know, murders that they're, they're trying to solve on the show. You don't get to see how that wraps up because yeah. 
You know, it, it as the as the theme song says, it's just another day. Just another day, yeah. You know, and they really like kind of hammer that in. It's like, you know, Danny was a great cop, but she's off the street now. She's on the desk. Yep. We got another person coming in, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that kind of theme of like continuity and that like the show must go on basically is is present throughout the show, especially in these last couple seasons. Yeah, it's like the nature of the beast, right? Yeah, I feel like that's really what they were were trying to get at, and uh, I, I love that that way of kind of conveying that message, you know, of of really showing and demonstrating instead of you know verbally browbeating us with it. Yeah, you know, so it, that's what it felt like to me, and uh, and I mean, I thought that was a great way to kind of put it. Agreed. Yeah, hundred percent. We also have. Um, you know, somebody who has become a big star since this show. Yeah. Uh, Lori Holden as Olivia Murray. We get her only in the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about her performance as uh, Ice Agent Olivia Murray? Oh, I thought she was great. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she was uh, I thought she was really great. Especially in that finale, man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so we get this, across this last season, we get to see her from, you know, kind of all angles, you know, like a hard-nosed agent, you know to uh, someone who, you know, is kind of like a, a trusted confidant or even like a, close to being a friend of Vic's, you know, someone who uh, you know could be trusted. Uh, you know, we, we've seen her distraught. You know, we've seen her in, in all these different angles. And uh, I thought that Lori delivered on, on all of it, you know. Yeah, layered, yeah. like pretty much every character in the show. Yeah. And then uh, I saved her for the second half. Um, uh, Michelle Hicks as Mara. Um, I feel like in the first half, you get the idea that she is annoying and not someone you'd ever want to be in a room with or mm-hmm. or a conversation. Uh, but she has way more screen time in the back half. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And... Uh... You know, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, all I, all I can say is that, like, the character Mara, for better or for worse, really, for me, came around in the second half of this series. And if nothing else, you know, without a doubt that, man, regardless what you think about Shane or Mara, they are just perfect for each other, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, unfortunately so, yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree, yeah. But uh, I think she did a tremendous job Same. Yeah. Uh, with the character. Yeah, well, you know, and it really for me, I think what it was is that it was nice to see her seemingly care about something other than herself, and I think that was kind of one of the, uh, I don't want to say the issue with the character because she was purposely written that way, you know, and it was very effective in the first half of the series. Uh, but in, in the second half, it was just uh, it was nice to see that character kind of come full circle, and uh, you know see her, you know be worried about her husband, be worried about her family, and you know she seems to be worried about, you know her, her family unit as a whole versus just herself or being worried about Shane because of what that means for her, you know. Right. I mean, as much as I don't like uh, Mara as a character, I think she deserved better than Shane Vendrell. <laughs> But oh, yeah. we're only looking at see the a lot of the reasons why we dislike her is that is the way that she interacts with Shane positively mm-hmm. and the way she interacts with Vic negatively. Mm-hmm. 
you know. And um, well, and then you know the Tavon thing. I was gonna say Tavon comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, the Tavon <laughs> thing is uh pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Um, so let's get into some of these plot lines, man. I know you're dying to talk about the finale, but uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about the investigation into the strike team in season five. That's definitely the main plot line yeah. there for season five. We see Lemansky, you know, at the end of season four. He gets caught with the heroin. They have him red-handed. We learn in season five that they actually replaced the heroin because in season four they uh, they get the heroin that he mm-hmm. that he stole from um, what's his name? It was uh, it was Amolia's. You know, I actually did, should have put Amolia on here. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, Amolia's boyfriend. I can't remember his name right now. He took the. Uh, the heroin from him, and then we see Vic trade it for like Amolia's safety. Mm-hmm. Later on in the in season four, we learn in season five that it wasn't heroin, right? And Vic later finds that out too. He's like, I don't know what that shit you gave me was, but it wasn't no heroin. Mm-hmm. And we find out that IAD had already replaced it with a non narcotic substance, and um, so they've got Lemansky dead to rights yep. here. And at this point, you know, Lim is looking at it, and I'm pretty sure all the characters are looking at it like, no matter what, at the end of the day, they still have him on this. Yep. They have him dead to rights. Yeah. Um, and so we knew that there was no way to get for him to ever get completely out of it, not unless he turned in a bigger fish, mm-hmm. you know. And even then, you know, what are we looking at? A reduced sentence for Lim? Yeah, you're no. never going to get your badge back. You're never yeah. going to be back out on the street. Yeah, yeah. Your pension gone, your badge gone, you know, and then yeah, good luck making it in prison. So let's say they reduce your sentence to five years in state pen uh, or fed pen. You're, I mean, as soon as word gets out, you know, that you were a cop. And a dirty cop a at dirty that. dirty cop at that, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're fucked. And, I mean, even if he, you know, got, you know, Got the charges pled down, you know. Let's say he gave them Vic, mm-hmm. and he just gets probation. Okay, you're still losing your badge, you're still losing your pension. Yeah, you're gonna be unhirable. Yeah, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean uh, that whole situation. Uh, we had uh, Vic trying to hire the lawyer to represent all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I could tell you her name any other time other than right now. <laughs> Rebecca Doyle. Oh, yeah, good memory. Uh, and yeah. she was, uh, I've seen the show a few times. <laughs> she was, uh, I always really liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get to see a lot of her, but when we do get to see her, I love that they introduced her where, you know, she's this lawyer who really cares about her clients and she convinces Dutch and Claudette that they, you know, got the wrong guy and it turns out they really did. Yep. And then, you know, Vic looks at that and he's like, okay, you know, I, I'm familiar with her. She'd be a perfect person to represent us. And then we immediately see the division, yeah. Because Shane doesn't want her, right? Um, you know, uh, Ronnie doesn't really want her either, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it just that's where we kind of see the the cracks start to form. And of course, Vic has has honey dicked her a hundred percent. I watched the interview earlier, so. <laughs> um, she's not honey potting you, and I'm not honey dicking him. It's a good movie. Uh, great movie. Uh, and you know, what we get here with, with her is, like I said, the cracks start to form. Um, 
it becomes kind of more and more evident that Kavanaugh is, while Vic is not the people that Kavanaugh has investigated before, Vic's never come across anybody like Kavanaugh either. Yeah. Kavanaugh knows, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, One of the, the crazy scenes, man, you know, not only him taking over the barn, you know, putting up the, uh, the photos and stuff of the yeah. strike team, but um, uh, was when they he had him walk through the the house from the very first episode where yeah. Jay Crowley got killed. Yeah, and Kavanaugh had his brother there. Yep, and uh, having them walk through that house, man, that was just such a haunting. Oh yeah, kind of episode. You know, I mean, it really was right because you know, first of all, you thinking like from a, uh, a logical standpoint or a technical standpoint, what was what was Kavanaugh's game here? Like, what was the, what's the the practical reasoning for this? You know, why did you physically have to have them walk you through it when you've read reports? You know, you've been through the house probably yourself already, and like you know, but then you think about it on like a, on a on a mental level. You know, you can just he just wanted to see how they react to it. You know, yeah, he only needed one of them to turn. Yeah, and Aceveda threw him a ball and he said, you know. Vendrell's the the weak link. Yeah. You know, you go after Vendrell. And though, like, one of the very few times he's actually one-on-one with Shane, Mm -hmm. you know, he's already got, like, he's already got Shane bothered immediately. Like, within five minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, just asking him basic questions. Right. Um, Before he moves into the barn, though, he's, uh, he's basically trying to stay off of Vic's radar. Uh, he's trying to. He's lying to Corinne, trying yeah. to get close to her, trying to get her to tell him some information. I, I just want to say that, like Kavanaugh, the thing about his character that I think maybe purposely irks people, right, is that he does he does everything by the book, right, or you know, until the end, you know, everything is above table with him, you know, everything is by the book, but for him, it's not a matter of of the law that's the issue. It's a matter of morality, you know. And then with Kavanaugh, you really just see that the two things are not mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing saying he can't lie to Corinne about having an autistic kid. Yeah. Uh, he's undercover, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's it's cringe as hell, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and all that really escalates up until the wonderful trophy episode. Um, and, and this is the episode where you know, Vic knows that uh, that Kavanaugh is on to him. Uh, they know that Lim is wearing a wire. That was so good. Yeah. And they, they use that to set Kavanaugh up on a bust. Mm-hmm. They also used Billings mm-hmm. uh, because Billings is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and they ran the whole thing by him. And, of course, it's Billings, and he admires Vic and his team, so he rubber stamps the whole thing. Right. And he's even got Billings pissed that Kavanaugh stepped on their investigation. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you know, Aceveda is just like, he's got you. Yeah. You know, you're done. Uh, you might as well pack up and go home. Mm-hmm. Because Aceveda knows at this point, like, he's got your number and it's working. And there's that wonderful, wonderful scene where with uh, Forrest Whitaker at the end where, you know, they they drop that line. Well, we'll just beat IAD again next year. Yeah. And his little assistant or whatever leaves. And there's just that moment where he's just sitting there, and then he goes completely off the rails. Right. And it just destroys the house. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, we see him lose it. You yeah. Know? 
And, uh, and and again, like even them saying, you know, we'll just be IED next year. You know, the you know Kevin Nash's assistant was like, well, you know, they did win in the in the softball game last year. So, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was great. Yeah, he had really um, just riled him here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about the whole art with Amolia? Yeah, uh, so. I think the thing that I liked about this the, the most was we got to, again, be periodically reminded of the evil side of Vic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now, did she did she do something shitty? You know, yeah. Yeah, she did. Uh, did Vic have a right to be mad? I mean, even though he is a crooked cop. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and within the boundaries of crooked cops, yeah, yeah, he had a right to be mad, but the way he reacted uh, was just unacceptable behavior across the board. When he storms in the house mm-hmm. and holds the knife to her throat, yeah, we still didn't go right. I think this guy's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, we were still rooting against Kavanaugh. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, Molly should have shut her fucking mouth. Right. It's like, dude, they were going to kill her, Yeah, you know? And, and I, I, they, they I, never really reconciled things between those two. Like, it, no. it's, it's left uh, on completely bad terms. And I love the, the final scene with Amolia and Claudette. Mm. Um, and you leave it up to CCH Pounder to just have, I think, all the best scenes. Um, but, you know, that scene where she sits her down and she's just like, these two men have both used you. One hundred percent. Yep. I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to break free of that cycle, you know, and that's about the time Kavanaugh comes in yep. and just and he knows like mm-hmm. the jig is up. Yeah. yeah. And and he's he's underestimated Claudette as well. Oh, yeah. Throughout all of this. Uh, and people have a habit of doing that. Yeah. And it always turns out super poorly. Right. For them. <laughs> um, in season five, um, We'll, we'll come back to Kavanaugh for season six for sure because mm-hmm. uh, obviously he's um, very pleasantly still in season six yep. a good bit as well. Um, what did you think about initially in season five when like the kind of Tina and Julian uh, pairing happened? Because for me, I think the first time I saw that, I was very much missing the Danny and Julian, mm-hmm. you know, kind of Batman and Robin thing that they had going. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about that is whenever a new Robin is introduced, it's always a rough start, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I uh, I like this mostly because, yeah, it, it did, you know, give me a kick in the pants to remind me of just how awesome Danny is. But on top of that, it also kind of forced you to look at Julian as no longer a rookie at all. Like he, he's grown into his own officer and he's been through a lot, you know, on the force already. And now he's in the, he's in the training position. And I thought it was refreshing to see that, you know, and, uh, and Tina is now playing the, uh, bright eyed, bushy tail rookie on the, on the squad. And, you know, I, it was for me, yeah, the thing I liked, I liked about it the most was it was just refreshing to see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I also really love how season five opens too, like where they uh, there's the riot at the school. Oh yeah, and yeah. and they're both there, and then uh, Vic has to like show up with the fucking fire hose. Yeah, and that's like right when Aceveda gets out of the car, and he's just like motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and uh, 
This is my favorite se- season for Aceveda. Oh, for yeah, sure. Season five, yeah. Um, because Rawling is gone, so mm-hmm. he's not quite so antagonistic. Yeah. Um, and even though he's never intends on helping Vic, really, mm-hmm. he's he knows that Kavanaugh is out of his depth. Yeah. Even though he is who he is. And he's like... I'm not strapping my reputation to this investigation you're doing. Right. You know, he, he very, he makes sure he can't be implicated in anything. Yep. But that's about it. About the only thing he ever really does to help Kavanaugh is when he goes to Vic and tries to convince him that Lim is prepared to talk. Yep. Um, and that was such a key moment. Um, you know, for everything that happened yeah, afterwards. That that really kind of tipped over some dominoes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is definitely my favorite season for uh, Aceveda, I would say. Yeah, I... Um, it, it's close, right? I, I really liked him in season five, but I, I also really love to hate him in season four. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, he's he's awful in season... I mean, I don't like... Mm-hmm. I don't like Aceveda... In maybe any season other than probably five. Yeah. Um, because in, in six and seven, he's he's just such a worm like oh, yeah. he is in the beginning. He's just better at it. He's mm-hmm. evolved. In season five, you know, he actually, um, it, it's it's funny to see him as kind of like this grizzled veteran of dealing with Vic Mackey's bullshit. Yeah. To just sit back and be like, well, I told you guys this shit wasn't going <laughs> to work out for you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it's the episode of, uh, of South Park, uh, where they bring in the, uh, the little person and he's like trying to get revenge on Eric Cartman and they're like, maybe you should just let it go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't really know who you're dealing with here. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, um, that, that episode, this, this season predates that episode, but when I oh, watched that wow. episode of South Park. That's all I can ever think about is like Aceveda during this season. Yeah. Maybe you should just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get to see two like mainstay characters here. We get to see their roles change significantly. For most of season five, Claudette is still on the street. She's in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but her illness has been severely affecting her. Yeah. Um, we see her trying to. Um, interrogate. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, oh shit. Um, I would be able to tell you any, any other time. <laughs> let's see. Uh, I, I gotta look this yeah. up because it's uh. Let's see. It that starts in season five, doesn't it? Is that where it starts? Yeah, I, yeah, it does start in season five. Yeah, I thought so. Man, yeah. Uh, this guy was slippery. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they don't have... I'm pretty sure we just had a conversation casually a few weeks ago, and you dropped the, the character's name... You know, willy nilly. Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, yeah. But of course now, you know I can't even remotely think about it. But 
Yeah, uh, so there's a guy that moves there from... Texas. From Texas. And he's got the story of uh, all the good old boys had it in for me, which they probably yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was but, probably also because he was a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, it was very likely also <laughs> because he was a fucking serial killer. And... Um, you know, they're, so they're trying to go after this guy. Yeah, see, the problem is he tried that in a small town. Oh my god, the fuck <laughs> out of here! We're we're in your studio. Get the fuck out! I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> the fuck out of here! Uh, but yeah, uh, I, L.A. is not a small town, right? And he definitely fucked it up. Yeah, I can't, I can't find it. But mm-hmm. anyway, so they're trying to get this guy, and there's this ongoing kind of thing about him uh our ongoing kind of arc with him and claudette's trying to break him and this is when that her having lupus really just sets in and she passes yep. out and dutch goes completely ape shit mm-hmm. she falls down the stairs we get a period of absence with claudette and it ends up that you know she ends up being taken off the off the street and dutch ends up getting paired up with billings which he fucking hates understandably right. and and that's one thing is you know i Super miss the two of them, yeah. You know, together. But the show does give us that when it can. It, yeah, they yeah. do. They really do. They find reasons for those two to kind of be paired together as the show goes on because they realize how good that dynamic was. You yeah. Know. I love the scene of um, where it, it's the one before and after they make her captain. Mm. I love the scene where they make our captain, mm-hmm. and I love where Kavanaugh comes in. Yeah, and the chief, the new chief, tells Kavanaugh that they've cut a deal with Lemansky, turns himself in, it seals off the whole other team, and Kavanaugh loses his mind. Yeah, and this scene here is one of my favorites in the whole show. Yeah, you know he's just chief. He's pissing on you. Right. He, he's. I can see it. it. It's running. It's running down you. I see him. He's pissing on you. What does it taste like, chief? Because it tastes like piss to me. Right. He he just goes off, man. Oh, yeah. And I love the whole scene. And the chief's just like, clear this shit out of here. Captain Williams needs their office. Right. <laughs> and Claudette's just like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a tremendous scene, right? Because that was towards the end of the line for, for Kavanaugh. You know, he was, he was just consistently at this point losing his shit. And, and you know, Claudette went off on Phillips, too. Because mm-hmm. she was just like, you've given this man, you know, rough shot over the whole place. Yeah. Everybody here is too nervous to do their damn job. I mean, she just, she gave him the Claudette treatment. Yeah. Because she'd had enough of the shit. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, she's never minced words, you know. I mean, she's always been so straightforward. That's like one of the... One of the best things about her character. That and also she only ever goes in on you unless she just knows. Yeah. You know. Um, did you think they were gonna make her captain? I thought that the possibility was more likely than not, you know, because you know, I was like, unfortunately, I know they're not gonna bring back Glenn Close, you know. Yeah. And I was like, and and Aceveda, he's going on to greener pastures. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck Billings. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, she makes sense. Yeah. I mean, she was, it was supposed to go to her and, and, and due to, you know, bureaucracy bullshit, she didn't get it. And, you know, she, uh, she took her, she took her lickings and then it came back around 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? This makes sense. It's one of those things that when it happens, you just realize this makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. You know? Uh, fun fact for everybody. The first time I saw her was in the RoboCop 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a perfect moment to be introduced. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, we ha- So, to wrap up Season 5, man, before we go on, we have to talk about oh. what is probably the most pivotal moment in the whole show Mm -hmm. because this is the moment where there was no going back. Yeah. You knew, I mean, from day one, you knew that this was going to be a Shakespearean tragedy type deal, but it is at this moment that it starts to come to fruition, right? Over these three seasons, we find out the ultimate fate of all four members of the strike team. Yeah. But, uh, we get one much earlier than the others. And, so Shane is it is, much earlier? Well, as far as episode number. Yeah. yeah. Not as far as, I mean, yeah, it all happened in a few weeks. Yeah. But if you look at, you know, the thing about it is, like, Shane's always been the worst, and Lim was always, like, the conscious. Right. You know. And Shane here, he believes that Lim is going to talk. Yep. And so in Shane Vendrell fashion, he tosses a grenade in his lap and walks off. So, the crazy thing about this, right? We get to this moment where it's just Lim and Shane, and I'm like, "Oh no, Shane's gonna try to keep, Shane's gonna kill him." Like I've already convinced myself in my mind, I, I need to prepare for this. Shane is going to do something extremely stupid, and he's going to kill Lim. The tension in that in, in that scene is insane. Oh, yeah. It is so thick. I know two people mm-hmm. that have got to that scene and stopped the show and never picked it up again. Like And, and, yeah. they, and neither of them got to where he actually kills them. Really? It's just that they saw the setup uh-huh. and they immediately yep. felt that horror, that tension that, uh-huh. that you know Lim's not going to make it out of this. And they were just like, I can't do it. Turn the show yeah. off. <laughs> I mean, and like, the, the tension there is, is so thick, right? Because... At first, like the conversation is, it's more than cordial. It's it's two friends who you know have gone through some bullshit. Now they they get to reunite and you know see how each other's doing and you know it's. But one of them knows what's about to happen, and the other one doesn't. And and to be fair, Shane, he does hesitate. You know, he's not there. Mm-hmm. As, he him and he and Lim have always been like oil and water. Yeah. But Shane didn't go there with. Like, a, I mean, he was prepared to kill him. Mm-hmm. He definitely premeditated it, but it's not what it's not what he ultimately wanted to do. Yeah. You yeah. know, he tried to convince him to get to leave the country, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, but like I was saying, though, I, I had it already prepared in my mind that, okay, this is going to happen. Deep breaths. You know, uh, Shane is going to kill him. I thought he was going to fucking shoot him. Grenades? Really? Uh, yeah, it was it, that was too much. Like, it's uh, so brutal, and, yeah. he, and he he doesn't die. He doesn't die instantly. immediately. Yeah, and Shane just drives off. Yeah, you know he apologizes profusely, you know, crying, and then yeah, he drives off. I cannot imagine the agony that he was in throughout those last moments. I mean, yeah, it it would have been it would have been fucking awful, right? But. But then also imagine being alive long enough to potentially comprehend 
the fact that someone who you consider one of your best friends has just given you this slow, terrible death. Yeah. And for and and framed someone else for it in the process. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so and and don't don't get me wrong. Um, regardless of what we're going to talk about with Guardo in season six, mm-hmm. he was a bad fucking guy. Yeah. You know, you feel bad for him because he doesn't know what's happening to him, but he deserved that shit. He yeah. murdered children for the drug cartel. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's not like he was, he didn't deserve the shit that happened to him. He just deserved it for a different, different reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he, he just got, he just got executed for the wrong crime. You know, he right. still, he still committed heinous crimes. And, you know, I think a lesser showrunner would have had Shane drop the grenade and and cut the episode off. Mm-hmm. Because that would have been a, a, a television thing to do, and it would have been a crazy cliffhanger. You would have got everybody back for the next episode. Yeah. But they had the long game yeah. going. It doesn't end there. Shane leaves the murder scene and goes to the meetup. And you're just like... You yeah. want to kill him, mm-hmm. and Vic's like he's not going to show, man. She's like, no, he's Vic, or he's Lim. He's going to be here. Yeah, and that moment, man, oh, if you yeah. don't already just want to murder him, like that one, you just want to squeeze the last little bit right. out of him. Yeah, I remember talking to you about that after I seen that episode. After I saw, had saw the, uh, that episode, and I remember, yeah, like you just described the scene where Ronnie's like, man, he's not going to show. He's not going to show. You know, we need to go ahead and leave and. And Shane is just like, no, we're going to stay. He's going to show. And it's just such a fucking weasel thing to do. So awful, man. I I don't know how, I I don't know if my conscience would allow me to put on that kind of performance. You know, if I just murdered one of my friends. Yeah, I mean, rest assured, if I ever, like, drop a grenade into your car... (laughs) Wait a minute. I will probably immediately flee the country. You know? I got to be honest. I really don't care about too much after you drop a grenade. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just letting you know, you know, now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, that, it was just such an awful thing to do. And then that amazing final scene where they find the body. Oh, man. And Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. All the personal shit they've been through here. Yeah, it finally boils over. You know, and that they just beat the bejesus out of each other yeah. here in this last scene. And they finally get split up and everything. And this is kind of the um this is kind of the death knell for like Kavanaugh too, where it's mm-hmm. like super evident to everyone he's gone completely off the rails. Yeah. And that this is so personal for him. And 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 the scene ends with, you know, Vic, Ronnie, and Shane storming off. And Vic's like, we're going to find out who did this, and then we're going to kill him. And the look mm-hmm. on Walton Goggins' face as they walk off yeah. is so priceless. Right. Um, it's so perfect for everything Shane Vendrell is. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, he, he's just like, you mean we're going to find him and, like, give him a stern warning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? We're going we're gonna to tell him to never do it again. Yeah, never do this again. <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, absolutely love season five, man. Like, it... It had so much in it, and uh, you know, it it might be my favorite season. Like I said earlier, um, I mean, it's just got everything that this show does so well. It does in abundance, and then some in this season. I agree. Yeah, yeah and there's so many things from those first four that pay mm-hmm. off, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to review it in this format. It probably makes complete sense now. It does. You know that yep. these last three seasons are 
so much about the consequences of the first four. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about six. I don't want to hang out here for long. This is easily my least favorite season. Uh, same. Yeah. You know, I, um, I was not a fan. And, and you know, it, and it's kind of like you said off mic a few weeks ago. It, it's not that season six is bad, but man, coming off the heels of four and five, it's like what was, you know, this season really here to do? Other yeah. than to give us a cool down before the finale. Yeah, and that's really what it was as a transition. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get to the end game? Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, they didn't do an Infinity War for it. It's more of a, you know, the first Captain America. <laughs> um, you know, this is where we get the... Not the 1991. No, no, no it's not, not that bad. There's not, a, there's not a bad season in here. But, no. But there is a, this one is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is where we get the Hyatt angle we talked about earlier. And yeah. it just kind of flounders, you know. We get more Julian and Tina. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other problem with this season is all the meat and potatoes in the first two episodes. Because you've got Kavanaugh chasing Vic. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And you've got Vic chasing Guardo. Mm-hmm. And Vic won't come in because he knows that Kavanaugh's trying to set him up. Yep. And you've got Vic, who is being looked for by... All the police. Yep. <laughs> kidnaps a man mm-hmm. and then tortures him to death. Um, in front of two other cops. <laughs> yeah, wh- one of whom is actually guilty. <laughs> one of whom is guilty for the murder. And 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 here's the other thing, man. It's like if you're watching the show and there's any redemption for Shane Vendrell, it has to be gone here because yeah. he stood there mm-hmm. and let Vic torture this man to death. For yeah. something he did, and not a peep, right? You know, yeah, nothing. You know, he just th- there was nothing that that he could do. You know, uh, but yeah, in, in this moment, Shane really he had a lifeline there where he maybe could have said or done something. But it, again, he's a weasel. He was never gonna put himself in that position. Yeah, I mean, it's the fact that he's he's a bad person mm-hmm. and a fuck up, but. The cowardice runs all the way to the core with yep. him, and Walton Goggins played him miraculously, perfectly. You know, and he he deserves to become a big star after this. Oh yeah, even though he ends up playing a racist in almost everything. <laughs> you know? uh, we also get the introduction here, um, and this is one of those things where I feel like out of all the arcs on the show, this is one that they. It, it tracks, but they didn't do a great job of like showing you the connections between these things. So they had the San Marcos murders, mm-hmm. which, you know, this is like this brutal murder scene, and they find it in season five, and then the season six they're all about investigating it, and it turns out it was a cartel thing, and they introduce the character of uh, Cruz Pesuela, yeah, and he's got his hand up Acevedo's ass, yep. And Acevedo's bringing him around all these police investigations and, you know, acting like he's, you know, and like, even Claudette's like, don't ambush me ever again like that. Mm -hmm. You brought a civilian in here to ask about an ongoing police investigation. And he, you know, Acevedo's just giving him the VIP treatment Mm because he's forking over the money. And Acevedo's been very (laughs) clear about his end game from day one Mm -hmm. and what he was willing to do to get there. Right. And Acevedo had to have known he was crooked. I mean, yeah, he's, he's had to have, right? Because he was such a sleazy guy. Yeah. Yeah, like, how do you... 
you know, I get it. Like money can really have you turn a blind eye to a lot, but it, and I think that that Acevedo, he is certainly smart enough to ascertain that. Yeah, Cruz is he's he's got to be he's got to be filthy, got to be dirty. Uh, but however, he was just willing to overlook that because look at the benefits. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, Pezuela wants these murders solved, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they actually ended up kind of tying the survival of the barn to the. Murders being yep. solved. And that kind of loops into the strike team and Hyatt, you know, with all the kind of limb stuff happening in the background. And, of course, this leads into the cartel connection between Pezuela and eventually Beltran, his boss, in the last season. Mm-hmm. But it's just you don't really realize what's happening in season six because it's all a setup for seven. Yeah. You know, it's all a setup for how Shane and Vic get tied in with the cartel and all this. Right. That leads to the ice stuff yep. in season seven, but I don't know. It it just for a show that normally like perfectly executes their arcs, I mm-hmm. feel like this is not an example of that. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you kind of see the the rough layout for what they wanted to do, but the execution of it just really wasn't. Uh, it wasn't as nearly on point as the previous seasons were. And again, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy this season. I did, uh, but man. Um, just coming off the heels of, of five and then four, it just really didn't captivate me like the previous seasons did. And, you know, it, and like I said, it doesn't help that, like, the crescendos in, like, the second or third episode where Kavanaugh oh, yeah. admits that he framed mm-hmm. Vic. And, and you know, when you see him frame Vic, you're like, oh, shit, this is really going to work now. Right. You know, it's like somebody's going to actually play dirty and get mm-hmm. his ass. And then you realize, yeah, Kavanaugh, he's, he's too good at being good. He, he doesn't know how to play dirty. Yeah. Uh, we actually even get a little Antoine Mitchell. Yeah, we do. In these. Yeah. Um, and I, I, we didn't talk about this during season five, but uh, we even had Kern Little came back when they uh, try to rob the uh, – uh, they make the deal with Antoine mm-hmm. to protect get limb protection, and it all goes to shit. I'm trying to remember. They rob the, um, the warehouse where they're keeping all the uh, seized assets. And it turns out there's like nothing in the safe, barely, and uh, they end up killing Kern and the uh, and the guard. I'm trying to remember Kern. 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 Look, he's the rapper in the early seasons. His girlfriend's got the little dog. Why isn't that? Why isn't that not ringing any bells? You remember any of this? No. So what? so uh, in the early early seasons, yeah, uh, Rondell was like a underling Rondo Robinson, uh uh the Black Power Ranger mm-hmm. drug dealer. Yeah. Uh, he was uh <laughs> underling for um for Kern Little who had the like studio or whatever. Okay. There's there's this an episode where to... Vic locks him and the other guy in the dumpster or whatever. Okay. And he okay. ends up yeah, killing now, him. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I completely blame on all of that. Yeah. Like, like what? <laughs> Yeah, so we actually got some Antoine Mitchell in season five, yeah. and then also in season six because, um, you know, Vic comes to him, and because when Vic finds out that Guardo didn't kill him, mm-hmm. he goes straight straight to the guy who put out a hit on him. Yeah, straight to Antoine Mitchell, and we, you know, Anthony Anderson is only has like one scene in this season, and it's but it's tremendous, fucking incredible because. Yeah. 
you know, he, he does the whole, you know, um, kind of the Carmine Falcone deal. Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, uh, here I am. You got I got the great Vic Mackey thinking I'm responsible for all the evil in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah, that means that you're desperate right now because I got nothing to do with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's like, if you're coming to me, I know yeah. you lost your last clue. Mm-hmm. Such a great scene from him. Yeah. I don't know why he is not cast as a villain more. <laughs> yeah, he was really a great villain. Yeah. He really was. I, I, he's probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I loved his scene here. And, of course, Vic eventually figures out that mm-hmm. it was Shane. And they have an amazing confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the confrontation, like you said, uh, after episode two, there is a noticeable lull in what's going on. But once we get to the confrontation, you know, then it's like, okay, we're, we're picking back up here. And this is where Shane's like, Vic says he's going to kill me. So I'm going to do the dumbest shit imaginable. This is where he goes to the Armenian mob. Yeah. Like, ends up basically on their payroll mm-hmm. and then reveals to them that Vic yeah. and them were responsible were for yeah. the Armenian money trade. And and I'm guessing you thought that that little plot was going to just fade away. Yeah, I was, I was like, for the most part, like, they got away with it, you know, and, and they were able to, you know, I thought that the thing with the money and the Armenian money train as a whole got so shitty and fucked up. That when they got out of that mess, I was like, okay, you guys are finally done with this. Yeah. And, and Shane's like, but wait, there's more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just tells them everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was, uh, this, you know, whole angle is so nuts. Mm-hmm. They end up uh, sending uh, an assassin to kill Vic's family. Shane ends up kidnapping. Uh, and this was in the finale for season six. Yeah. Um, which I, I really enjoy, actually. He ends up uh, kidnapping, uh, you know, uh, Cassidy and Corinne mm-hmm. and, like, locking them in a dumpster, and he can't tell them anything about why and what's right. happening. And, like, Vic naturally goes completely apeshit. Oh, yeah. Finds a bunch of blood in his house. Mm-hmm. His family's missing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that leads right into the beginning of season seven, which opens... Yeah. With them beating the beating, shit out of him. Which was a great season opener. Yeah. Know? They wasted no time. Yeah, it's like the opening scene. Yeah. Um, but, of course, you know, throughout all this, they're talking about Vic's retirement, how they're, like, forcing him out. Yeah. And that he's got this, like, hearing board that he's supposed to go to to, like, mm-hmm. determine his fate. And as you kind of find out, it's a done deal. Oh, yeah. It's all a sham. Yeah. Uh, he tries to blackmail people. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the really good kind of thing where the... The city controller with Robert Martin. I really like that whole yep. angle where, you know, his daughter was like a crack whore or uh-huh. whatever, and, and, and yeah, if it was gonna keep that on the hush hush, but you know, if you don't, if you don't want to, you know, play ball with me, then I hate for people to find out. You know, yep, yeah, that it, didn't work. It did not work. Yep. You know, he he was at this point where he had pissed off too many people. Yep, at the level <laughs> he was at, and so this is where he decides that he's gonna go after the blackmail box instead because yep. that's a better option for him. And I feel like the way that this was played, it's definitely the weakest finale. And it's not that the episode's not good. It's a great episode, but the way they wrapped it Mm -hmm. with him just kind of walking out of the thing, we don't really know what's in the trunk yet. Right. 
You know, we yeah. don't know that the blackmail box is like the ult- is kind of the MacGuffin here it for is. a while. Yeah, that's the word I, that I had in mind. You know. Yeah, but we don't really have that information. Yeah, and I don't know, man. I, I feel like maybe that they had the B team working on this season, or <laughs> yeah, it, it's like they were really working. Like the A team was really working on how to nail the the finale season, and uh, and they just kind of put the B team on. You know, season six, but. Moving on to season seven, nail it, they did. Yeah. Uh, season seven is tremendous, and I think it's unlike any other season. It really is the culmination of the whole show. They did such a good job of tying everything back in. Mm-hmm. You know, in the early seasons, you have Vic dealing with these very street level people. In season seven, he's not dealing with the one niners, no. he's dealing with like the board of directors that. Basically runs all the gangs. Right. Uh, he's dealing with, like, the people you never catch on the show. Oh, yeah. This is like, you know, the modern-day equivalent of, like, you know, Pablo Escobar or, yeah. you know, I mean, like, like these are the people that you don't ever get to see. Yeah. You know, they're that, they're that high up. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the, the Sinister Six or whatever. Right. You know, this is, like, way up the chain. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you've got... Uh, He's dealing with the like cartel and like mm-hmm. their leaders front like back in Mexico. Yeah, um, he's dealing with like the le- the leaders of the Armenian mob. Yeah, you know uh, he's dealing with federal agencies. You know, and, and so the stakes have just been upped in just every way here, and so many of these things from all these from all the other seasons. Like they did such a good job of bringing a lot of it full circle in this season. Uh, we even get Tavon. We yeah. can get a little yeah, like get a little bit of Tavon back. A little des- uh, guest yeah. appearance from Tavon, and I really love that episode. Oh yeah, because uh, another thing that happens in that episode is you get just a little tad view of Shane Vendrell's humanity right before everything goes off the deep end. You know, I mean, do you? I mean, he, like, well, you get to see that he at one point really cared about doing his job for the right reason. Oh yeah. Because, you know, he's, you know, he was trying to, like, get this little girl away from her father who Mm -hmm. was, like, I guess, I think he killed her mom. Was that? Yeah. 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 And, um, like, Shane was, like, hunting him or whatever, and he was, like, really passionate about Mm -hmm. it. And the Shane Vendrell that we know has never really given a shit about any of that. He's he's either, he's doing it for his reputation, Mm -hmm. he's doing it for money, or both. Or he's doing it just because he's Shane Vendrell, and it has some way of... You know, giving him whatever he wants at that time, whether it's drugs or underage pussy or whatever it is he's trying to get a hold of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He he didn't have the best vices in the world, you know. You mean all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, and it's the Vic drops the line in season one. Money and pussy make man do evil shit. Yeah. And uh, that is a prolific line. Oh, yeah. It really is. Yeah. I mean, think about, like, uh, how much bullshit in our history could have been avoided if it weren't for those two things. I think about how much bullshit in my personal history could have been avoided (laughs) if it weren't for those two things. Much less the history of mankind. I probably would never be the atomic bomb if it weren't for money. (laughs) (laughs) Is everything going to be an Oppenheimer reference for the next several months? Uh I thought so. Um, Vic starts a war between the Salvadorians and the Armenians because that's what him and Shane come up with. Uh, See, 
<laughs> okay, I would expect this like right from from Shane, but from Vic, I'm like you have to understand that it's, if you do something like this, there are variables that are out of your control. You know? Yeah, but uh, it, I think it 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 doesn't speak to like a, a lack of intelligence from Vic. I think it more speaks to a little bit of a desperation and, you know, him really wanting to get this shit squashed and in, in the hopes that, you know, he can really be keep his job or, you know, get a, get a new job or, you know, he, he just really wants desperately for this war to end. Well, you know, I think, you know, Shane wants to get back into Vic's good graces because he uh-huh. believes that's the thing that can happen. And when Vic realizes that, I think Vic, I think Vic planned to ha, to kill Shane so early, like I think about the time that he sat down and realized that Shane was like embedded in the Armenian mob. Mm-hmm. He was like, "I'm going to use this situation to kill his ass somehow, yep. Yep. whether the Armenians do it mm-hmm. or whether I can arrange it some other way." And I think. Uh, the tension on that episode where he's trying to get the hundred grand together, yeah, and um, that you know they're they're getting the setup done, uh, and Vic actually tries to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. He does. And and this is this is the thing that I think really highlights the difference between Vic and Shane is like Vic premeditated all this shit. He got all his problems in one in one spot. Uh, and then basically was going to have the cartel go in there and wipe them the fuck out. Yeah. And damn it, man, do they do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I just think, like, by a... Uh, man, I just think to the, to the episode, man, like, by a stroke of luck, Shane is unscathed. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And, like, Ronnie even had modified his guns yeah. so he couldn't defend himself. Oh, yeah, they took, took the bullets out, you know? Yeah, yeah. and that's the... That's the damn uh, giveaway mm-hmm. that this yep. was a setup. Because yep. had had they not messed with his gun, they may could have convinced him that it just well, went bad. That's the crazy part, right, if you think about it. Because if Ronnie hadn't took, taken the bullets out of the gun, uh, I think that it's a higher possibility that Shane would have been killed. Yeah. He would have fired. There were multiple assailants. With machine guns. With machine guns. Yeah. yeah he would have fired. And he may have gotten one of them, but the other one for sure would have got Shane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And, and, you know, the thing is here, like, we really got to see everything about Ronnie mm-hmm. in these last couple seasons. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's kind of a sick son of a bitch, man. You know, the thing that's most twisted about Ronnie is the fact that he is down to do whatever. Yeah, you know he uh, when he hacks that corpse's feet off. Yeah, that's the moment where you're really just like, I think this motherfucker is mm-hmm. is dark. Like, oh yeah, and he does it all with no hesitation, and and he has that like just stoic like yeah. look on his face through all of it. Like, doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, such so just something else. Um, what else? Uh, with Ronnie. Uh, I, I love how Vic is, like, Vic's so hesitant to, like, you know, he's, like, trying to stop it. And Ronnie's, like, driving slow. And he's yeah. like, nah, man, you know, it's too late. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Vic's like, you know, we, he's trying to rationalize it as, 
Shane could have spared Lim and he didn't. Yeah. And I really think at the end of the day, at this point, Vic doesn't want that. Like, Vic is willing to go to just about any lengths, but he doesn't necessarily want Shane's death on his conscience with yeah. everything else. So Yeah, I uh, that's where I was at with it, too. Um, and, you know, by that point, I think that, and this is maybe me putting a little bit of information into the show, I don't know, but it just kind of felt like Vic had felt like he they had all lost enough and for them to continue to go after each other and cannibalize the team, it would just equal more loss. And so it for me, it felt like Vic was trying to rationalize and justify Shane's actions just for the sake of what remained of them. But, I mean, ultimately, he just couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. And and I think that's a major difference between the two characters. Yeah. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about before we get into the to the to the end game end game here. Uh, we haven't talked much about like the uh, the the B team stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, we got a lot with um, with Claudette here and uh, and Dutch. Yeah. Where um, I cannot think of his name. It's, it started with a J, didn't it? Um, Gardner's his last name. I I know that. Uh, is it Trayvon? No, uh, it's something similar to that. But uh, what is that guy's name? <laughs> what I what's crazy is why I can't find it easily because like he's in three seasons yeah he even comes back uh clavon clavon oh that's what yeah. it was clavon clavon yeah. Gardner. yep yep um oh man <laughs> um he was something else man you know he was like the one that was almost too good for them they oh, yeah. always knew he was guilty mm-hmm. but he was just so good with cleaning up the evidence oh yeah and you know that whole episode with his sister was so good and like the tension there and that was a great actress, by the way. She played such yeah. a, uh, a good role on that. I think the brilliance with that whole Clavon arc was they introduced him in the earliest season, like we mentioned, and he just, they don't have anything on him. They can't nail him. And then they decided to bring him back and finish it, you know? Like, I really think that that was pretty brilliant of them to do, pretty risky as well, you know? Because with if you look at your kind of run-of-the-mill police procedural TV show, they bring in a character like Clavon and they're going to have that shit wrapped up probably by the end of the episode. Better yet, you know, uh, a season later. Yeah, this show does so good with multi-season arcs. Like, um, the seasons themselves will have arcs within them. Mm -hmm. uh, But, I mean, so many things. Like, nothing is off the table from coming back. And they wrapped it all up so nicely in this last season with all these different angles. And his his arc actually fed into the Lloyd arc. Um, oh yeah, it did. Yeah, which is an arc we get in season seven. Um, you know, earlier in the season, uh, kid breaks into his house mm-hmm. and he shoots him. And as they're kind of investigating it, Dutch starts to lean towards this kid set this up. Yeah, he's exhibiting serial killer behaviors. You know? Yeah, and and Dutch is like. What if this is I'm, I'm catching the first kill of a serial right. killer? And uh, as we see towards the end, 
um, that's how it is. And yep. he ends up actually killing his mom over... Allegedly. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> and trying to frame Dutch for it. And, like, yep. this guy is going to be good. And, like, oh, the thing yeah. of, that I love about the show is, like, you never see them actually catch him. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you don't know how this story ends. You don't yep. know if he gets too good for them to catch him. Mm-hmm. Or if they end up nailing him for this or what. Like, I, I actually, I'm not really one for an ambiguous kind of ending on that um, in most cases. But there's a couple things that this show did, and I'm completely fine with it. And, and his arc is kind of one of them. Because it feeds into that, like, you know, this mm-hmm. is like things are going to keep going. Things keep going, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I agree with that. Like, it, it is very much open-ended, right, with, with uh, Lloyd. But... I do ultimately think that is for the better just because it does, like you said, it feeds into the whole notion that this is one big machine that's going to keep on rolling and this whole thing is a beast that's going to keep on doing this thing. And and I mean, so let's say that even if they did somehow solve this case and, you know, another record time uh, and another 48 minutes like the other police procedurals do, then, I mean, if you think about it, there'll just be another one the next day. And then the next day, you know, so I also like the fact that they kind of keep this one open ended and and keep them, you know, busy with something else that's pretty fucking cool and important. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually I thought that the actual actor that played Lloyd did a great job. Agreed. Of playing this fucking budding like serial killer yeah. as well. Uh, Dutch, I think he was talking to Billings early on in the Lord case, and he asked a, a pretty poignant question when he said, uh, is it, he said something along the lines of, is it more impressive to catch the serial killer who's killed several people, or is it better to catch the serial killer who hasn't become the serial killer yet? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of like the last frontier for Dutch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because he has wrangled quite a few of them. Yeah, yes. He He's gone from... Capturing basically none right at the beginning of the show to several by the yeah. end. Yeah, including the uh, the cuddler rapist Colson. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, is there anything else that we're missing out? I mean, on? Danny being pregnant and then giving birth to Vic Junior. You know. Yeah, um, we kind of learned in season five that it's definitely his kid. Yep. We have. A lot of scenes with um, Cassidy and uh, and Danny that were really good. Yeah. Um, Corinne is, of course, super hostile at first. Oh, yeah. But I think eventually Corinne kind of gets on the same page with Danny and they kind of reconcile, you know? Yeah, and also, like, Corinne better settle down. Like, for sure, in a fight, Danny is... is oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you got to wonder, too. Like, Danny ends up coming back to the barn. So, mm-hmm. you got to wonder... She didn't have protection from Vic. That's true. Um, you know that that is a great point. That one that I didn't even think about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to be coming back around at some point. I mean, especially you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that's the only kid that Vic can, yeah, technically even remotely get close to. So let's talk about. Um, let Let's get into the end game here. I want to talk about the confession scene oh, before we go man. into the finale. So the setup for this is, you know, we get Olivia Murray is introduced. She's in the bite mailbox beginning of the season. And Vic kind of earns his way into her good graces, ends up eventually giving her her file back. 
and kind of getting her out from under Pezuela. Um, and he kind of uses this to gain more and more favor with her. And he kind of spends the whole thing of, oh, well, you know, Aceveda and Claudette just always, they've had it out for me. That's all it is. You know, it's mm-hmm. internal, local police bullshit. Yeah. I'm the good guy here. And he does a great job like he normally does with kind of selling that. Yeah, he sells himself extremely well. And once Shane goes on the run, uh, we actually need to talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Once Shane goes on the run, man, Vic is looking for a way out here. Yep. And he gets, um, you know, he gets them to agree to immunity deals and he get, he convinces them, oh, you know, it's just a few minor things here and there. Mm-hmm. My captain's trying to stick to me. And eventually, and originally, it's going to be for him and Gardaki. Yeah. And when they when they don't have Ronnie's paperwork, Vic tells him to shove it. Yep. But then he finds out that, you know, he doesn't find out at this moment that Corinne's been working with the cops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, because at first he thinks that Corinne's been popped. Yeah. By the cops. Yeah. Like you said, he doesn't know that Corinne's been working with the police officers. Exactly. So he immediately goes, well, if you can get immunity from me and my ex-wife for this one thing, then we'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll do it tonight. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely circle back around to, to Shane being on the run because yeah. that's such a, a huge thing. But this scene, man, where she puts him on the tape and it's just like, Okay, well, you got immunity for everything you admit to here. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh my God. Right, okay, so I, I really wanted Joe here for this because I, I, I need to know, like, with these immunity deals, how, like, c- can someone really get off of that type of, of bullshit? They have. But see, in most cases, though, or at least in most cases, the ones that I'm aware of, right, with those type of immunity cases, like the the leading officers are at least somewhat aware of the crimes. That are I was going to say, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell got off, <laughs> and they deal with like tons of kids. <laughs> so many kids, yeah, yeah, and yeah. sold a bunch of them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it it happens. I don't know if it happens like this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But yeah. uh, yeah, man. I mean, this scene is so chilling. Uh, mm-hmm. It is Michael Chiklis deserved an Emmy for this for this one scene alone. Oh, it was great because the camera focuses on him and then kind of zooms in a bit, and then it lingers there, and he he's hesitating. You know, yeah, like he's just he's processing what he's about to do because he's never I don't think admitted it to no. anybody, even including himself. Like, yeah. He he's a pathological liar mm-hmm. to the point that he convinces his brain that he is innocent of this stuff, right? You know, or or it had to happen. Yep. You know, it's that it's that uh, that Thanos kind right. of doctrine of I, I'm doing what has to be done. Nobody else has the will yeah, to do it. Nobody else would understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This is the necessary evil that has to be done for the greater good. Yeah. And it's at this point too that the viewer. Not only is it shot so well, and not only does Michael Chiklis nail it, but the viewer gets taken right along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Agent Murray is kind of the she is kind of the surrogate for the audience here, mm-hmm. 
Because we are making a discovery here along with her, and that is that we have been rooting for a villain. Yep. The whole time. The whole time. And, I mean, this goes on and on. Like, I thought that he was going to say at one point, and you know, I, I shot Ben Parker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas and Martha Wayne, that was me. He just, he was going off. And it had to be cathartic for him. Yeah, you know, I think so. By the end of it, we like we cut away and come back, mm-hmm. and he's so relaxed. Yeah, he's more relaxed than we've ever seen Vic. You know, and, and uh, yeah, his performance was just so top notch. Like he delivers it, just so cold and, and calculated, and he takes all emotion out of it. Like there, there's not a, a, a whimper in his voice or a tear in his eyes when he say, "I shot, I shot Terry." You know, he there's none of that. Yeah, you know, he's just cold with it. And straight to the point. And oh my goodness, CCH Pounder, like when <laughs> when Claudette and Dutch get there, uh, she just oh, she loses it. Yeah. Holy shit, I had never seen Claudette quite like that before. And the other thing I think that yeah. you realize in these last two episodes is at least the first time I saw them, this is when I really started to realize that Vic and Claudette have always been on opposite ends they they seem to have given each other like their own equal space and kind of seemingly at least maybe acknowledged or or had a mutual respect at least in the beginning that's kind of how it failed you know right well they're both incredibly good at what it is they do yeah and i think they both recognize that in Mm -hmm. the other one and claudette i think was willing to look the other way early on and but as she grows as a character more and more she can't yeah and she is smart enough to not fall into the pitfalls that Kavanaugh or Aceveda or some right. of these other people did. Um, but she is willing to get them if, mm-hmm. if she has the opportunity. And I think when she realizes, like, there's not going to be any justice here. Yep. And that just breaks her. Oh, yeah. But, yeah it does. But that's not exactly true. She... Um, she uh, she didn't quite understand just how much justice there was going to be. I don't think at that in yeah. that moment. So let's circle back and talk about Shane going on the run. Yeah. So Shane realizes that Vic and Ronnie tried to have him killed at the uh, when the Armenian mm-hmm. mob was murdered. Shane takes a bag full of money. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, man, they they killed him all and took the cash. Yeah. Uh, good old smashing grab. <laughs> Shane's got the money, and he goes about trying to orchestrate the murder of Ronnie and Vic. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in true Shane Vendrell fashion, he hires a freaking moron to kill Ronnie. Yeah. And not only does he do it early so that Vic doesn't go into his house mm-hmm. where Shane is waiting to kill him, but uh, uh, he doesn't get the job done. Yeah. Uh, all he ends up doing is shooting uh, his date in the arm. Yeah. And he had like an Uzi. Right. You know? <laughs> and you're just like, really, man? Right. Like, you can't just like knock on the door when he answers to shoot him? You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, fuck, the Joker did that for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, you know, it goes sideways for Shane. And they bring him in and they start interrogating him. And... Shane realizes that it's about to go south, mm-hmm. and he just flees. Yeah, yeah. Like as soon as the sorry, what's the name of the shooter? I don't remember the guy's name. 
He's no um, uh, burnout. No, that's a different guy. Uh, I forget his name, but uh, Ronnie had broken his jaw. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie broke his jaw. Uh, but man, as soon as they start interrogating this guy, and and uh, and Shane realizes that oh shit, the fucking jig is up, and he fucking. He beelines it out of there. Yeah. And then he gets... <laughs> one of the other officers start asking him about the softball team, and he's trying to leave. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> he's like, why don't you shove it up your ass? Yeah. And he just takes off, man. And, like, the show is never the same after that. It's not. You know? Yeah. Uh, he's full Bonnie and Clyde at this point. Mm-hmm. And right after that, Vic goes and turns his badge in. Yeah. And Claudette's just like, if I if we catch you chasing him, we, we're gonna arrest you. You know, yeah. we catch you doing any bullshit. Like, you you can't spin it now that you ha- you know a CI phoned in a tip or any of that shit. Right. And you know we start we actually get to see Vic having to operate without his badge. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then Shane going on the run. Uh, and boy, and are they terrible at it. They're terrible because I thought about it while watching the finale, right? Like, they've been on the run for, you know, quite a few days now. They never even technically end up leaving Farmington. No. No. <laughs> as soon as they got the car with the clean plates, they had a hundred grand. Yeah. I would have got the fuck out of there immediately. Right. Um, and Vic ends up putting the street gangs on them, dude. Yeah. And then they end up getting robbed. And it's just the incompetency of Shane. Like every time he does something that is somewhat smart, he does something so fucking dumb. Yeah. You know, so he's he's going to, you know, the, the guns put on him and, you know, because there's a hit that's been put on his head by Vic. And, you know, he's like, oh, man, Vic's only paying you 10 grand. I'll pay you 20. Let me reach into this giant bag of cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. It's one and things just go bad, man. It's, once they lose the money, mm-hmm. then it's completely off the rails. Oh yeah. Then you got Shane trying to like roll people and mm-hmm. you know and 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 shaking down random drug dealers and shit yep. and trying to rob stash houses and yep. they try to rob the real estate company that Mara worked for yep. and um, it's crazy to see like. Shane's relationship with the street coming back on him. Mm-hmm. He tries to go to that gas station to cash the checks or whatever. Yeah. The dude gives him 50 cents on a dollar. Right. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh man, you ain't going to snitch. He's like, in my hood, snitching on a dirty cop ain't snitching. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, probably not anywhere. Right. <laughs> you know? And uh, it, it's just, it's crazy to see like how everything, like the floor just fell out from under Shane so quickly. Right. And, you know, once once uh, Mara not only gets hurt, which means that their options are so limited mm-hmm. uh, as to what they can do after that, she had to have been in agony. Oh, yeah, broken collarbone, time. yeah. And pregnant. And pregnant, And so she yeah. can't take painkillers. Right. You know. Fuck that. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Shane on, on coke. On a Coke vendor. Right. Trying to make Shane Vendrell decisions that he can't make sober eating anyway. Yeah. And it just gets worse and worse for them. And, you know, once Mara shoots that girl. Mm-hmm. That's when you know, like, oh, man, this. I mean, like, 
there's so many points of no return, right? Yeah. For so many of these characters, and you know, like for, I mean, really for Shane, like his point of no return in my mind had already happened. You know, once he tried to put the hit out. Oh, actually, once he killed him, when he killed him, yeah, yeah, that that was the point of no return for him. Uh, because you knew that he wasn't going to get away with it. You knew that he was eventually going to get caught, and you knew that there was going to be there's nothing you can do. You yeah, know, either the cops were going to catch him, or Vic was going to catch him and yeah. kill him. Yeah, and, and neither one of those are great. No, yeah, no. So, yeah, there was nothing that he could do at that point. But man, he, uh, it, I, you want to say that it was optimism that kept him going, but it wasn't. It was purely delusion. Yeah, you know? and and he and it just gets worse and worse, and once. Once Mara shot the girl, mm-hmm. they there was no getting out of it for her. And so, at this point, Shane can't even turn himself in. The, and the, had, the desperation, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he goes to Billings, for fuck's sake, to, to give a message to Claudette, you know. Uh, and, and even Billings is telling them, like, you know, like, that, <laughs> like, it, what you're presenting right now isn't self-defense for, for Mara, you know. So... Even then, like there was really nothing that that he could do. Uh, he couldn't even give any information on Vic because Vic had already had his immunity, you know. Yeah. So he could offer them nothing. Yeah, and he didn't know that. Yeah. At the time, until he talks to Vic. Right. I love their last conversation. Yeah. Because it was so much, you know. Shane thinks he's holding all the cards, mm-hmm. and the last leg he had just gets ripped out from under him, and man, Vic just. I really think that conversation with Vic is what really drove him over the edge. Yeah. Because he's like, I do not want to fathom a world where Vic goes and visits my kids while me and my wife are in prison. Yeah. And what does it say that Mara ended up seeing the big picture before Shane did? Or, or I mean, chances are Shane saw the big picture but just didn't want to live in that reality. You know? Yeah. Mara was uh, was I think broken because mm-hmm. she's pregnant and in agony, yep. you know, and she's like, I I don't I don't have an escape in me now, yeah, and she had to have just been exhausted from running and from being in constant Run, pain, running all over Farmington, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Shane talked about going on the road. I'm like, with what money, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they really at that point had no resources to be able to do anything. Yeah. So yeah, where are you gonna go? Yeah. So, you know, you got um you got this situation and Shane doesn't see a way out of it. Mm-hmm. And damn it man, the the way that his arc ends is so fucking tragic. It is beyond tragic. Yeah. And it and and to know that it is rooted in a real tragedy. You know, as well. Yeah, yeah. I was very familiar with the tragedy that you said it was based on, but I didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. You know? uh. So, you know, we covered the uh, the Benoit murder-suicide on this mm-hmm. very show. Um, I was with you Many that. seasons ago, you were there. <laughs> very hard couple hours of podcasting. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so um, Shane doesn't see a way out, and he, um, he essentially poisons uh, Mara and Jackson. And it was so crazy, man, because, like, in the early seasons, like, we're doing the first review, you were like, man, uh, Jackson, you know he's just going to grow up to be a piece of shit. And I was like, (laughs) or (laughs) 
He's not gonna grow up at all. Oh man, that was I was being way too optimistic. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, I think that was the, maybe the hardest part during the first review with me and Joe, just like knowing everything that uh-huh. was gonna happen and like not giving it giving it yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. I was because I was so curious during that first half, like how much of what I'm saying right now is like making you guys real, you know, uh, just because of. You guys knew the end from the beginning already. You called Lemansky being killed, but not how it happens. Yeah, yeah. How it happens is so devastating. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then this finale, man. I mean, you know, it, it, it's crazy because someone like Vic, who you spend the whole show kind of rooting for, mm-hmm. and then at the end you're like, what a piece of shit we rooted for this whole time. And with Shane, it's just like you can see how he – ended up in this fucking situation and it's awful but like I I I feel just a tad bit sorry for him more for Mara yeah um and also for Jackson because yeah. like he didn't do anything right but like you know it, it it's like did he really deserve this though you know um and honestly man the letter that he writes yeah is uh, is deep as fuck it is you know uh I mean, yeah, you know, I, I've said my fair share of of mean shit about Shane and Mara, but I mean, yeah, this was uh, man just undeserved, you know. Like uh, it, we already said it was, you know, tragic and it was fucking just an awful thing to witness, right? I mean, because so just to kind of paint the picture, right? So the, the cops break down the door and they march in there and then he, almost immediately you hear the gunshot and it's from Shane who's in the bathroom and he had just written the letter and immediately I'm thinking, okay, he must have already gotten Mara and Jackson out of there and he probably told them that he'll meet them whenever they get to whatever place they're going and he's not. That's what I'm thinking. I didn't know that it was going to end up being that damn dark. Man, it yeah. is. It is the darkening. Yeah. <laughs> it is uh, It is so tragic, man. And yeah. The way that this finale plays out, I think it may be my favorite series finale mm-hmm. of any show because everything doesn't end the way you want it to end. Right. But from a, a storytelling standpoint, it's so crazy how like everybody pretty much got a fitting like other than Lemansky, right? Because mm-hmm. Lemansky was was murdered and yep. he didn't deserve what happened to him. Right. But the other three man, they all in their own way get what they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Um You you're right, you know, like with Shane, uh man, yeah, that was oof. Even for him, and and that kudos to the writing, you know, and, and to the acting, just to show that how good this show was constructed to make me feel bad for Shane and Mara, you know. At the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, with uh, with poor Ronnie, you know, I'm like, man, uh, not that he doesn't deserve prison because he absolutely does, but if there was one who could skate by. You know, at, at this point, I mean, obviously out of the four, you, you know, I wanted to be Lemansky, but, you know, clearly by the time we get to season seven, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, maybe, maybe Ronnie can find some kind of way. But then as soon as like in the 
penultimate episode, you see uh, Vic seal Ronnie's fate. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, Ronnie was the loyal soldier. Oh, yeah. Throughout all of it. Whatever Vic plan Vic had, you know, Shane usually wanted to make it worse. Mm-hmm. And Lemansky was kind of the, the conscious of the group. Right. Ronnie was a loyal guy. He used to ride or die. He was. He was like, let's fucking do it, Vic. Yeah. Didn't matter what it was. He trusted Vic Mm -hmm. entirely. And uh, being that guy does not pay off usually. Especially when you are, you know, when you're after, you know, when you're like the right-hand man to like a criminal mastermind. Right. None of the Joker's henchmen, it doesn't work out for any of them. It doesn't. It never works out for them. Yeah. There's even a... uh, uh, DC Black Label story called Joker, and it's from the POV of a henchman. First day on the job, and after a few days, he has his last day on the job. You know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work well for the henchman. Uh, but you know, with with Lama, uh, not Lamas, but with Ronnie though, it's 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 even more heartbreaking with him because, like he says, as he's being dragged out, like you know, I I wanted to flee, you know, I wanted to run, and I I wanted you to run with me, but you didn't want to. Yeah. And man, that just it just really fucking sucks for him, you know. Yeah. Like being betrayed by like your best friend like that. And and I think what makes it so impactful is um, uh, David Snell, he plays that character. With no emotion, he's so even killed the entire series until the end. Yeah, and and I think that that makes it hit you so much harder mm-hmm. to see all that emotion come out of this character. Yeah, you know, from him, you know, finding out about Shane to finding out that Vic fucked him royally. Yep. Oh man, the the whole thing. I mean, it it sucks because it's like you do feel sorry for them, mm-hmm. even though they deserve it. Um. Yeah. But I think the one character, ironically, who you really don't feel bad for is Vic. Yeah. Because while Vic stayed out of prison, he lost everything. Yeah, he lost everything. Like, And, I mean, say what you will about Vic. He was good at his job in terms of getting results, and he very much enjoyed his line of work. That has all been taken from him. Yeah, he lost everything. He yeah. lost his family. He lost his um, his his line of work. Mm-hmm. He lost the respect that he had amongst his peers. Yeah, which was a big thing for him, huge thing for him. Yeah, he lost it all, man. Right. And it's like, yeah, you avoided the legal ramifications of what you did, but mm-hmm. there is a price, and yeah. he has to pay it. And it's he's in his own little hell. If you think he, he really it. is, yeah. and it's fitting that you know all this all the stuff in the show. In the, in the first four seasons is over three years, and, like, that's, you know, full circle. That's the amount of time right. that he's got yeah. to, to do all that to, to keep from going to prison. And I also love how they open they left that open, too. Like, you know, you kind of can draw your own conclusions about does Vic successfully serve out those three mm-hmm. years and get away with it, or is he just, is he just Vic Mackey and he's right. going to fuck up and, you know, he's going to end up, immediately just go into prison, you know, for everything that he's done. I really hope that they never try to yeah. make a The Shield 20 years later show or anything. <laughs> be awful. I mean, it'd be like, you know, like uh, 10 minutes long, everyone's dead. You know, like yeah. everyone in the strike team is now dead. Yeah, Tina's yeah. the captain Tina's of the barn. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh yeah, uh, Claudette. You know, we get the the, uh, the the news that her condition is terminal. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah, that was also heavy, you know. But I mean, Claudette, she's she's always been a trooper, you know. She's like, it is what it is, and yeah, I'm gonna come in every day until I don't. Yeah, you know. And that that uh like that was just such a like great heartfelt moment between the two of them. Oh yeah. And I really loved how at the end of the show, like her and Dutch, you know, kind of team back up mm-hmm. again. Uh, so we got to see them kind of work as a unit to kind of, you know, bring the strike team to justice as much as they could. Yeah. Um, the final scene with Vic and Claudette, love it, love yeah. it. I it may be even better than the confession for me. Oh man, yeah, that's that that is also a great scene, and I mean, it really like that's just her sticking it to Vic the only way she can. Yeah, you know, by by laying out, you know. Shane and Mara and Jackson's all their unfortunate fate by laying that out in front of Vic, and then the the, the double whammy, uh, letting Vic see Ronnie get escorted out. You know, just the double whammy. I mean, Claudette really underscores all of it. You know, Vic thinks he's gotten away with everything, mm-hmm. and you know you've got him across the table from Claudette, and you really, I think that's the moment when you kind of see like. These two are at the opposite ends of the alignment chart. Oh, yeah. And they always have been. Mm-hmm. And they've always been on this sort of crash course towards this moment. Right. And you have Claudette, who is the, you know, the kind of white knight of the show. Yep. And <laughs> she's just like, I, I love that line that she drops. Look at what the hero left on his way out. Yeah. You know, and she basically is just like, everything that you did, none of it even begins to make up for what you caused here. Yeah. Um, you know, you were overall a terrible thing for this department, for this neighborhood, mm-hmm. for everybody around you. And I love that she leaves him with the, the photos and just watches. Yeah. You know, uh, because she's like, if I'm not going to get to make this arrest, I'm going to hurt him any way I can. Yep. And, I, and yeah, I absolutely love this scene. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was tremendous, man. It was so heavy, you know, to see that. And then to see Vic's reaction, you know, to just being there with the pictures and seeing that, uh, man, like just the different emotions he must have felt, like the the sadness and then the, the rage and then the helplessness of it all. Yeah. <clears throat> man, uh, it reminds me of a line from, uh, you know, one of your favorite movies, uh, BVS. <laughs> uh, uh, not not one of my favorite. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but this is one of my favorite Alfred lines uh, from any Batman movie. It's when uh, Jeremy Irons as Alfred says, "You know, and that's how it starts: the fever, the rage, the feeling of helplessness that turns good men cruel." Uh, I love that line, and I'm like, man, if that doesn't describe <laughs> so many moments and characters in this TV show. Uh, but yeah, in that moment, yeah, Vic, uh, Vic Mackey, he was, he was all of that. Yeah, he really was, yeah. and I, I love that line too. I actually really love Jeremy Irons as yeah. pretty much anything yeah. except for whatever the fuck he was doing in the D and D movie, <laughs> the old one. <laughs> Blood will rain from the sky. <laughs> um, man, uh. I, I think. 
paying him had to have been 90% of that movie's budget. It had to have been. Because uh, it certainly wasn't the script. <laughs> or the dragons. No. <laughs> um, I do think it's better than Captain America 1990. <laughs> okay, listen. If we're going to put the bar at Captain America 1990... <laughs> <laughs> then everything just about is above right. bar, except for the last Jedi. Um, man, so I, I gotta, I gotta know, man. What's your overall thoughts on the finale? Well, I, also, I wanted to tell you about one more thing, uh, kind of before we get there. Sure. That is, uh, like the last shot of the show. Ooh, yeah. You know when we see uh, Vic, he's wearing his suit and tie, and he's got, <laughs> <laughs> he's got his office job. Like, I don't know. I'm like, Vic, I'm sure you're getting paid, you know, what, 60 Gs, you know, something like that. You know, you probably got to be still building up a new pension. and That was a lot of money in uh, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 60 yeah. grand? Yeah, that was yeah, great. Yeah. You know, you got your, you know, you're not getting shot at no more. And, you know, he's, you know, you got your gig. And, uh, but he just fucking hates it. But he got, he has the scene where, like, he sets up all the pictures of his family. And then there's the one with, like, him and Lim in it. And, uh, you know, he's just got kind of like this thoughtful look in his eye. And then he goes into the the lockbox and pulls out his, his gun and he tucks it into his back pocket, you know, looks out the window and he sees, you know, police sirens and cars driving towards an emergency or whatever. What do you think is going on in his mind in that last scene? I like how it's kind of ambiguous, yeah. right? Um, obviously... There's a great chance that he's going to go see what that siren's about. Mm -hmm. You know, that he's going to try to play it coy and see what he's into. But thing is, man, as soon as he gets caught doing that shit. What's one time? You yeah. know, he's it's done. Fun. And because yeah. Murray would love to send him to prison. Oh, yeah. Love it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, <laughs> they're just going to play the tape in court. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. It's, it's, it's. I love that they left it open. You know, it, it, he could be going to do that. He could be going to try to find Corinne. Mm -hmm. He could be going to try to hassle Danny about being mm -hmm. a father for the other kid. There's just so many possibilities to it, and they left it, you know, like I said, wide open. Yeah. Um, obviously, Vic doesn't want to go to jail, so you really don't know how he's going to handle it, and I thought it was a, a brilliant, brilliant ending. Um and then they play the the recap kind of at the end. Yeah. To that very just perfect song mm -hmm. for it. Uh, and they end it with the the 21 gun salute for Lim at yeah. the end. Um, that shit gets me every time. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that that was a that was a tough scene. Uh Yeah, I I really really had a blast with the season finale. Like it I thought they did such a great job of wrapping everything up appropriately so and uh, of doing a good job of explaining the overall theme of of this show, you know. Yeah. So many shows have all the hype and everything and they fucking just can't stick the landing. Cannot stick the landing. Yeah. There's so few shows that did it well. This one did it so well. Mm -hmm. Breaking Bad did it so well. Yep. Um I really liked um El Camino. Oh, even, me too. Even though the original ending was was great, mm -hmm. I love that we got to see Same. some more of what happened. Same. Um, with this, I don't want it. Right? Like yeah. I, yeah. And they, if they were gonna do it, they missed the boat. Uh, you know, they they could have maybe done it like a year after. That's true. You yeah. Know? Well, if they did it, like, who would you would you want to see it focused on, Vic? <sighs> I I don't know. Like, 
I don't know how that works. Like, do you put it four years after? Like, he served out the ICE right, term, yeah, and then yeah. maybe he gets like a private security job. Or I tell you, if they decided to do it now, if they have it based on uh, Danny's kid, you know, uh, there could be something there. That would be awesome. Yeah. And then the very last shot, like they just do one season. Mm-hmm. The very last shot is uh, Gardaki gets out of prison and oh. just murders Vic, just shoots him in the head. <laughs> Yeah. Or drops a grenade in his drops car. Drops a grenade in his car. <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Because, like, I'm telling you, man, if he gets out early, he's coming after Vic Mackey. Like, oh, for sure. You know, he's he's going to think also, about that shit every day. But also, there's no way he's getting out, right? I mean, yeah, like, like just, just the, the law itself is going to want to throw the book at him because they can't throw it at Vic. Yeah. That's true. I mean, um, Shane's dead. It's, it's dead. Possible after a considerable amount of time, right? That mm-hmm. you know he's going to go to state prison. Um, you know he he could get. It, it depends on how he gets sentenced. Yeah. You know, obviously, he's probably going to plead guilty. Yeah. Um. They probably aren't going to be able to even with Vic's testimony. They're probably not going to be able to get like first or second degree murder on him. Yeah. So it's just going to be a laundry list of charges, and if he pleads guilty. You know, he mm-hmm. might could probably get thirty years, and then yeah. maybe he can get out on parole, out, yeah, parole in twenty behavior, or yeah. fifteen. Or I really wish we had Joe here so he could explain that whole system right. to us because he knows it very well. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is assuming that uh, you know Antoine Mitchell doesn't have him killed. That that is like <laughs> the biggest assumption right there. Like, what prison is he going to, and does Antoine does Antoine Mitchell have connections there? Yeah. Because you know you're going to hear about this shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So A hundred percent. Yeah. But, um, so I, I got to put you on the spot here, man. Okay. This is the greatest show of all time for me. Where does it rank for you? See, I knew this was coming. Of course. You, I mean, I, yeah. you had to have after the other day. Right. Okay. So, I don't know. And the reason I don't know is because I was thinking about this earlier in the day and I realized that like I don't like before even watching The Shield, I didn't know what I would consider to be my top five favorite shows. Like I could probably string together maybe top five favorite movies, top five favorite shows. It's difficult. Um, case in point, like. Is Game of Thrones still on the list? Like I know that it's, it's, it's I know that the finale. I know that the last two seasons weren't great, especially the last season. They and they just completely trip and fall on the finale. But the ride to get there was extremely enjoyable. The reason so Game of Thrones probably around season five, I was like, finally a show has replaced the Shield for me. Because mm-hmm. Breaking Bad was like right there, like yeah. it's probably the Shield number one, Breaking Bad number two, mm-hmm. like the other five are probably all over the place. But I was like, Game of Thrones has made it up to one. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But the way the way that they shit on it is it, it was it was like Last Jedi esque, where mm-hmm. it, it's like it's not just that they started to make bad content, but the decisions that they made shit on it end to end. It did. Whereas, like, you have to go to fucking House of the Dragon, mm-hmm. which is like hundreds of years. 
before you could get to a point in the timeline for me to possibly give a shit about. And right. I feel like you'd have to do the same thing in the other direction if you wanted to go into the future from there. Yeah. Because all these prophecies and all these other things that they that they built up and built up, it, it every nothing was satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Every single plot line ended in complete bullshit. Yeah. And it's impossible for me. I recently went back right before House of the Dragon came out. Um, actually, I, I take that back. So I watched House of the Dragon. So I, I watched the finale from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I did not watch a single millisecond of that show until House of the Dragon came out. We got that amazing season of television. Yep. Love House of the Dragon. And it just gave me the itch mm-hmm. to go to Westeros. And I was like, I'm going to watch the f- the first six seasons. Yeah. And every single time, man, I just, I other than season four, which I think is tremendous. Yeah. Best season of that show. And this show. Weird. Um, but uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to watch the first six. And I'm just going to stop. Mm-hmm. And like every time something would happen, it just, I couldn't get it out of my head that, that, that it wasn't going to lead to anything. Yeah. The Jon Snow resurrection, yep. amazing, amazing moment in in uh, mm-hmm. like cinema, uh, cinematography. It's ruined because you're like, this is for nothing. Yeah, this is, doesn't mean shit. So it's the decisions that they made. I feel like that it just um, it's the spaghetti bullshit that they tried to explain in the Flash. You know, <laughs> it doesn't just fuck with time going right. forward. It fucked with time, time all yeah in all directions. Right. And so I mean, Game of Thrones can't be. House of the Dragon could end up there. Yeah. Um, but Game of Thrones can't be. Uh, the Witcher had a, a high chance in the first season. Had, had a tremendous first season, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's going to be more of a Heroes than anything else. Yeah, yeah and, you know, I, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you know, I will say this. <laughs> because like, Oz uh, loves them both? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're cursed. <laughs> cursed Oz. You're never going to listen uh, to this episode, but you're cursed. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I had, like, you know... Um, uh, like my my top four, you know, favorite shows, and but then like there were like a bunch of ones that could have been number five. Like maybe one day if they ever finish it, it'll be Stranger Things in that in that slot, you know. Um, and but you know a, as it stands, this is not having them in any kind of ranking or order. This is just the five. Yep, yep. Uh, there is Breaking Bad. There is Better Call Saul. There is the leftovers. There is the shield, and as of now, I don't. I still don't know what number five is. So, if we're only talking about finished products, mm-hmm. so okay, you so know, we're not putting anything that's not done because Stranger Things could be there for me. Yeah, but they have to stick this landing. Yeah, because this last season has to be balls to the wall. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I, it, I said you know if I had to put a number five there, uh, and, and this is this would actually be number five, like the bottom one. Uh, so I still think it's tremendous. Um, the it, it would have to be the the greatest superhero TV show ever made. I got to put Daredevil. There. Ooh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And you know even though I know that the second season is is not as powerful. That first and third season is tough to beat. And if you don't count Defenders as part of it. I do not count Defenders as part of that, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's so good, man. Like, so for me, like, if I only am only going to count finished works, mm-hmm. um, the Shield obviously number yep. one. Um, I think Breaking Bad is probably number two. Mm-hmm. Better Call Saul never. I could never get into it. Maybe mm-hmm. one day. Yeah, um, I would recommend it. My three, four, five is I, I don't no certain order. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to put Suits on there. I love yeah. that show. Uh, it's it is kind of like the shield of lawyer procedurals. Yeah. Whereas it presents itself as being that, but it is not that. Um, you know, people don't get shot in the face. Yeah. Uh, it's a bunch of corporate fucking shenanigans, and most of it probably would never hold up in any actual real court case. Right, right. But they spend almost no time in a courtroom in that show. Interesting. There's maybe two hours across eight seasons of court. Yeah. You know. Uh, Jesus. Right. Yeah. It's a great show, but it's it's so character driven, mm-hmm. and you know that's a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, I've been watching through it with Kay right now, and this is probably my like fourth time watching through that show, and I was so happy because it recently, I was pissed at first because it was on Amazon. Yeah. Where it was like buried in the fucking sea uh-huh. of Amazon. And in the middle of us watching it, they moved it to Netflix. Wow. So I lost my place, and we had to figure out where we left off. But it's been in the top, what like, five on Netflix ever since they moved it there. Jeez. I know tons of people that have just started watching it. Like, hey, man, you seen this show, Suits? I'm like, yeah, dude, I was watching that show <laughs> from, like, the first season. Right. Um, it's one of those shows that's getting a second breath of life because it was on USA. That's right, yeah, yeah. But, uh... It's got to be in the top five. It may be number five just because mm-hmm. they lost um, some crucial characters in those last couple seasons. Mm. Um, it was not their fault that Meghan Markle became a princess <laughs> and was suddenly unavailable for the show. Uh, um, but, oh, my God, she is fine as hell in oh, that yeah, show. Yeah. I mean, and they know it, too. The, ca- the camera angles on her in that show are <laughs> something else. Um so that's definitely up there. And that's such a feel-good mm-hmm. show for me. Um, I had never really thought about Daredevil. But um, I think I would have to put that on my list. Mm-hmm. And what else? Um, I know I'm probably forgetting something. You know, obviously none of the CW stuff can be on there because <laughs> they just, they fucking ruined everything. Uh, what do you mean Gotham Knights didn't make you a list? Gotham Knights would have never made the list anyway. I'm talking about the shows that started off great. Oh. <laughs> like, so, so no Supernatural? Oh, no, no, no. God, no. Supernatural never had a chance on there. <laughs> Smallville is like mm-hmm. six good seasons out of ten. Yeah. Which is, for CW, is an amazing track oh, yeah. record. Because Arrow was like... Two and a half out yeah, of two seven. Two and a half out of yeah. The Same Flash the Flash was like one point seven out of nine. <laughs> like and that's like a shining example for right. them. They're like, look at this great show we made. You're like <laughs> So yeah, Smallville was like they were rolling a twenty every that's fucking true. day, you know, to get more than half of your episodes aren't dog shit. Um but a lot of that cast went to prison. Oh, Smallville? Yeah. Cause I know that... Um, Pete Ross, that guy. He went Pete to the prison? Pete the Boss Ross, he went to prison. I didn't know that. That actor yeah. went to prison. Uh, fucking, who else was it? Obviously, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Chloe, Chloe went to prison. Yeah. She just recently got out, I think. She did. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, was it Nexum? 
Yeah, you know? yeah. She yeah. was in some some dirty dark shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man. That was a that was a crazy thing. Um, so yeah, I've got. I'm gonna put Daredevil on my list too. That yeah. show is so good. Yeah. So. Um. And it sucks because we can only put completed works. I know. I know. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, here, here's an easy one. Uh, Spartacus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Spartacus would be on there. And um, I'd also have to... I know this is six, but i I got to toss The Wire in there, obviously. You know, I've, I've actually... I've never seen The Wire from beginning to end, so I can't... And it sucks because it is so hard to get into it after this show because this show... Mm. First episode, it's got you. Oh, yeah. And The Wire is like, you're going to, first episode, you're going to be like, is that Idris Elba? And then for the next six episodes, you're going to be like, is something going to fucking happen? Is something going to happen? Yeah. Or how many many shots of this motherfucker digging through files Mm -hmm. are we going to get? You know, and, but, but. The, the way that show pays off and the depth yep. of it and just the seriousness of it. Right. Um, it's very much kind of like how Nolan approached Oppenheimer where it's like, this is real. Yeah. Um, and it's not based on historical events, but like there's never a single moment where The Wire isn't taking it seriously. Right. 100% seriously. It's like if this couldn't happen yeah. for realsies, it ain't in this fucking show. Yeah. And, um, you know, Joe, who is a, a, a career law enforcement, you know, has said that, like, that show is so close to what really happens. Mm-hmm. And they explore it at every level. They explore it on the, you know, uniform right. cop level, on the detective level, yeah. on the uh, police chief level, on the, you know, um, city council level yeah uh they they explore the way that the media affects all of it so they really look at things from so many different angles and there are a lot of great characters on there that are flawed you know and um yeah so i got i definitely got to give the nod there i forgot one that i actually just finished recently because the show just wrapped up a few months ago that was also very tremendous uh snowfall don't know if you've ever seen it but i have not uh, it is tremendous. It's about the uh, uh, the crack epi- uh, epidemic in the eighties. Yeah, and the and uh, the black community uh, in California. And, you know, not snow flame, snowfall. Yeah, yeah, not snow flame. Yeah, <laughs> snowfall. <laughs> uh, that was a tremendous TV show. Um, I mean, I, I yeah, it was. Uh, I think it ended up being is five or six seasons, but um, I mean, yeah, like that was uh, that was amazing. I mean, um, I, I don't want to put Chernobyl on the list because it's a miniseries. Yeah. But that's, that's fuck, the, man. That's the only reason why, like, The Watchmen didn't make my list, you know? Like, Same. Just one season, you know? Yeah. Spartacus is one of those shows that, like, that's a that's a great watch. Mm-hmm. You could tell that they made that show with, like, no money at first. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's such a good one, and it's it's definitely a, a favorite of mine. And you know it's like like we said like Stranger Things obviously as long as they don't botch this last season yeah definitely gonna make it on there yeah if that kid that Kevin Spacey touched had not said anything for just one more year <laughs> House of Cards could have been on that list because <laughs> that was a great show until oh. it wasn't and then it was horrible God damn um, here's another one um, that once it's finished could be on the list um, Sex Education. Mm. Huge fan of that show, mm. um, but they did lose 
Um, one of the uh, key actresses recently, and I think season four is going to be the last season, and I want to say that they're, they've lost a couple people because, like, my favorite character on the show is going to be the new Doctor. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. uh, the new Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm probably going to watch that entire season of Doctor Who because he's just so good in that show that I'm going to want to see yeah. anything that he's in. Um, but, yeah, that is a really great show. Obviously, if as long as like Euphoria stays the mm-hmm. quality that it is, it could certainly earn a place on that list. Same guy made The Idol, though, didn't he? Yeah, and I have not watched that yet. Me either. I was hoping you had. Uh, I've only heard that it's not great, but I've never actually spoken to anyone who's seen it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, you know. With Game of Thrones, it was kind of like, and, and with Spartacus too, it's like, I, I'm, it's hard to watch it and know if the sex position works uh-huh. is working on me or not. Yeah, um, I feel like with Euphoria, even though that is a thing in the show, mm-hmm. that show is so well done that it would be just as good without it. You know? Yeah, attentive, attentive, yes. Yeah, yeah, tentative, yes. <laughs> yeah, tentative, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I, I'm not saying that I want the internet to not have Sydney Sweeney's nudes right. on it. <laughs> I would never claim that. If I ever claim that, yeah. I have been kidnapped. Yeah, you're by, a goddamn squirrel. I have been replaced, yeah. <laughs> um, because she is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, even though her character on that show is batshit. Insane. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, um, again, par for the course on that show. You know? Yeah, I really love her. Like, just um, I follow her on Instagram, mm. and um, I bet you do. I sure as fuck do. <laughs> and uh, I've just seen like interviews and stuff with her, and uh, I really think she's like pretty cool as far as those celebrities yep. go. Also, smoking fucking hot. But there's a lot of actresses I think are smoking hot that I wouldn't say that they're cool. You yeah, know. Yeah. But uh, she's done a lot to kind of um, speak out against like. Kind of the the pay in Hollywood and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, not to go rabbit hole here, but like, um, I think they said that the average salary of like a um, SAG AFRA member is only like sixty grand. Jeez. Yeah. So, but I mean, you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, fucking actors need to be paid more. Sure. You're thinking about like Robert Downey Jr.'s check, right? You're not you thinking know? about, yeah, uh, yeah. You're not thinking about you know unnamed, you know. Or even, even even name, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. I guarantee you, most of the people on this list were not making bank for this show. That's true. Um, I guarantee you fucking Glenn Close, Forrest Whitaker got paid. Oh, for sure, yeah. And you know damn well Michael Chiklis got paid. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. And, but he earned that shit. Right. You know, he did such a great job. But, I mean, the dude who fucking, you know, the guy that played Ronnie, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't clearing. He probably didn't clear a hundred grand. Yeah. For, you know, a year for the show. Yeah. Yeah, it uh it does suck. And like, you know, when when we say, you know, shit like that, it I want to be clear like it's it's mostly just in perpetuity to how much the show is making and is worth to the networks, you know. So like if you have a show that's pulling in, you know, so many viewers and it's making so much money, then yeah, it's only right that the people who help bring that show to life get properly compensated, you know. Well, and and you look at that too, and it's like a twenty four, and this is the real the thing that blew all the the arguments out of the water. Um, 
you know, when it comes to these negotiations and them saying they can't afford it, all this other shit. A24, which is a mm-hmm. upper level in the indie studio, yep. has already agreed to all the demands of the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild, and they have already resumed filming. They're actually, did you know that they're making a uh, movie about the, um, um, some weird shit? Son of a bitch. No, this is actually uh, going to be uh, documentary-esque. Uh, oh. It's actually, they're making a story about the Von Erichs. They're the ones making the Von Eric movie. Yeah. With yeah. Zach Efron. Yeah, that's A24, yeah. I did not know that. I, I so. would not have pegged that being up their alley. Um, Michael Chiklis got paid. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Michael Chiklis' salary on The Shield was one hundred twenty-five k an episode. Oh, he got paid nice. <laughs> yeah. He got paid nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, once again, he was... Probably by far the highest person paid personal here, unless it came to like guest stars. Yeah, you're right. He, he's god damn. So, but he earned that shit. He did. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, he really killed it. So. Yeah, god damn. Yeah, that's. But yeah, he was he was getting paid in the shade. They they got their money's worth out of him. Though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because FX made so much money mm-hmm. off of this show, and they still are, man. Those Blu-rays, even though they took forever to come out right. and remaster. They sold like hotcakes. You know, like from what I've been been able to find online, man, like this show really blew up after its, you know, release. You know, so like after it was said and done, like it's really when its renaissance started. It it had a similar kind of curve to Breaking Bad where Yeah. I don't know if you did you watch Breaking Bad from the beginning? I came in around uh season three. Most people say. did, yeah. 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 I watched it in the very beginning and I, I remember you never came across anyone who was watching that shit mm-hmm. in the first couple seasons. And then it was like, about season three, mm-hmm. like, everybody I know who was really into, like, deep TV, like yourself, like, yeah. started watching it. But, like, it wasn't until maybe, like, five that, like, the oh, normies yeah. just... Those yep. last couple seasons, though, it was exponential. Oh, it yeah. It was just, like, everyone was talking about right. it. Right. And I remember when they were like, we're going to split the last season in half or whatever. And I think they were the first major uh-huh. studio that did that shit. And now everyone does it. Everyone loves splitting their season. Yeah. yeah. Even though Netflix tried to do it with The Witcher. And it was super obvious that they just made a whole season and just split it in half. <laughs> yeah. Because apparently there's no, like, it's, it's not a good stopping point It's not a good stopping point. Yeah. I haven't seen any of it. Me either. Full disclosure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Haven't found the time. What can I say? Well, man, we have been, uh, we're at two and a half hours on this. Sounds so about right. I think, uh, I think we may have covered everything. I'm so glad you decided to embark on this journey. I'm so glad that, uh, you know, you, you, you forced me down this road. Yeah. We're, we'll have, we having similar uh, conversations about the Cosmere eventually. So <laughs> yeah, that we will. And yeah, another road you forced me down. Yeah, yeah, it'll be just as rewarding, if not more, than this one. Oh, I don't know I how it ends it. yet, though. So, oh, that's true. But, but I know so far it's been balls deep. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, man. Well, thank you for coming on for this. Uh, this has been a blast. This is my favorite TV show of all time, and uh, I am glad that I now am on record uh, gushing over it for like six hours combined. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so, so just for uh, clarification's sake, your favorite character is Claudette. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, what about you? <laughs> uh, 
I uh, I'm still gonna stick with Dutch. You're gonna stick with I, Dutch. I think that the uh, the later half of the of the series only does him more favors. You know. Well, that that is it. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, that those would be our our two favorite characters. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I mean, as far as performances go, it's hard to beat what Walton Goggins and Michael Chiklis pulled oh, off yeah. here. But like, um, yeah, I just love Claudette. I, she's one of my mm-hmm. favorite characters of all time. As a matter of fact. I think now, um, I think now we need to do like a top ten fictional characters of all time. Oh, episode, shit. yeah, that's yeah, because it was so easy to pick three for the protagonist and antagonist. That's true, you know. Yeah. So now we just uh, we'll we'll do a top fictional characters. Period. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So we've said we we're going to do it now. So anyway, uh, this has been another episode of Entertainment Evolved. We're here in the superhero homies. Layer studio? Did you ever? Uh, the ho- the homie hangout. The homie hangout. That's yeah, because yeah, uh, alliteration is cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this has been part two of the shield, and this has been another episode of Entertainment Evolved. <laughs>